Anyway, I'm Maddie. Is this, is this the show? I'm Mary Ellen. Hey. This is the show. Welcome to the show. Here we it's are. Been, it's been a little bit. We had a little break. It's been a while. It's been. <laughs> we have another couple of couple of movies picked out for you. And mm-hmm. we mentioned them last time. And we are going to do a, The Cabin in the Woods and yeah i keep thinking it's called cabin in the woods too. but it's the cabin in the woods it's not the just any ca- cabin. it's not just any cabin oh you know what fucking ripley is already scratching at the door i'm gonna go let her out hold on all right bye ripley the invisible third co-host of this show i'm back oh hey hey oh I, hey i think she waited until i was recording and she's like i'm gonna fuck this up for her she was like if you're gonna talk this much i gotta go <laughs> this is frankly annoying <laughs> Um, <laughs> Which is honestly a fair take on this show. Historically, so anyway, historically, my cat Ripley has been the most critical, you know, critic of our of our podcast. Yeah, can you tell her to like chill out with the iTunes reviews? Yeah, she writes these really angry reviews, really offensive. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's getting a little weird. I don't, yeah. I don't know how you want to bring that up with her, but um, yeah. good luck, honestly. Oh, we've yeah. tr- I've tried. It's it's kind of a, a lost. It seems cause. like a a lot for you to like live with. A cat that's that critical of your podcast it's hard her podcast is honestly though really good so hmm, yeah i get well, it shout out <laughs> yeah everyone check out my cat's podcast <laughs> anyway so we're pairing the cabin in the woods with this other movie called the final girls which neither of us have seen right? no i have seen it and i remember oh, okay. liking but i don't remember much else just being like yeah like a general right. like good feeling about it um cool well i haven't yeah. seen it yet um but i had seen the cabin in the woods before and you hadn't seen it yet I, so we're swapping it up this time hell yeah and um this is a super popular movie it is it's it's one i've i've heard um like it's recommended. an requested movie for this show for whatever reason like it people is. have asked us to review this movie and it i is, think this is the first movie that we've actually had explicitly requested that we are now doing so you're welcome finally yeah i guess i don't i don't know and i i feel like sometimes it's been recommended in the context of people wanting us to criticize it or just people wanting to hear our thoughts about it so i don't i don't feel like we're gonna be I'm not worried that we don't adore this movie. You know, I, I think that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's written by Joss Whedon and it's also co-written by this guy, Drew Goddard, who directed it. And I tried to figure out what this Drew Goddard's deal is. I, I <laughs> like personally, well, he doesn't I, I have like a lot of other credits that I, that I recognized. He really. did the Martian, which got like an Oscar, right? For best comedy. Which is bullshit. Yeah, that's really strange. I'm well, still upset about that. He's produced a lot of movies. Oh. He produced The Martian. He didn't actually direct or adapt it. Um, I thought he wrote the script. Oh, did he? Okay, let me check. I think so. It's weird that I did the research. He did. You're right. You're right. He must have adapted <laughs> it. Because The Martian was also a book. Um, yeah. Well, you can't just take a book and make a movie, Maddie. It's not how it works. Well, I know. I know. It's difficult. <laughs> I, I actually thought The Martian was pretty good. So I'm it, was, <laughs> it was fine. It was like a, a good little like evening. It was like feel good yeah, stuff. It's fine. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh my God, The Martian's like making me think a lot about like my place in the world. Yeah, same. I, I didn't feel that strongly about it. And like, mm-hmm. I guess I could say that's kind of my issue with this movie yeah i i don't know he also wrote should we say uh the name of the podcast oh shit yeah so anyway this this is let's Let's watch watch two two movies movies. (laughs) watching movies is fun but why only watch one when you could watch two and hear us talk them through we'll pick a pair of 
topics, then we'll tell you our analyses. Let's watch two movies. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what what is this? Um, the best so, podcast. This is just a theory. I don't know personally anything about the making of The Cabin in the Woods, but I think that Drew Goddard's co-writing kind of helps take out some of the problems that I might have with Whedon's influence in this, because when Joss Whedon writes stuff, a lot of times all the characters sound very similar and they sound very quippy. Yeah. This movie is not that quippy. Like, there's quippy moments and there uh-huh. are characters who are quippy, but it's not every character. And so in that sense, I feel like it benefits from having this other guy co writing it potentially if that is what happened but i also feel like this movie is not that funny and it could be funnier and Mm. that's kind of too bad like we were talking beforehand about how it's not funny enough to be a comedy and i can't remember the other things you said you had like a great (laughs) one-liner i said i said it's not funny enough to be a comedy it's not sharp enough to be a satire and it's not scary enough to be a horror movie yeah. So it doesn't it's a movie that doesn't really know which of those three things it wants to be. And it yeah. kinda wants and, to be all people, three of them. For people who are unfamiliar with Cabin in the Woods, it's not just like a straight up horror film. It's a, it's a meta horror film. It's an examination of the horror film genre. Mm-hmm. And that's not a spoiler. That's something that's made pretty clear within the first one minute of the movie. Two, yeah. three minutes. Like well, it's... And even even the trailers like you think, you know, the story, but do you? And it, it makes it clear there's some kind of like weirdness going on. So we're not like spoiling. Right. It's, right we're going by yeah. trailer rules. It's allowed. Yep. Or like first two minutes of the movie rules. That's I, true. I don't know. Too. I, Which I, I was really surprised at because I already I already know. Like I went into this movie knowing the basic spoiler premise well, what you thought was the spoiler premise, but you didn't realize that it like wasn't really a spoiler. Yeah, I didn't realize how quickly it would come into play in the movie. I thought it would be revealed in like the the third act or something. No, the third act stuff is more. Well, I mean, we'll get there. Not, well, after I, that's what the I spoiler section, but yeah. um, uh, I don't know. So I I guess I'll just say I feel like my I enjoyed it a lot more the second time I saw the movie. This is my second time seeing it, but. That's probably because I feel like I have this weird brain problem where if a movie has too many sci-fi and fantasy elements in the same movie, I get way too hung up on the details of it. And the first time I saw this movie, I was just so focused on like, wait, how does this work? And like, what is this company like? And what kind of a world does this take place Mm. in? And I like was so buried in that that I like couldn't fully enjoy the movie yeah. If that makes sense. It does like, make sense. And they and I, I found there was a few times where they get kind of hand wavy uh, with yeah. stuff like that. And so I can see where somebody like you who likes a detailed fleshed out kind of like what are the rules of this world sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. I felt um, like I wasn't really grounded in what those rules were. And I, I also feel like the movie is not super internally consistent with that. So, yeah, which yeah. we can get to more later where I like I didn't understand what the grander point of it is. Um, yeah. Well, because yeah. most, most of the time, what we're seeing, I'm trying to like keep things kind of vague, but also yeah, like I talk know. about things. Me too. What yeah. we're seeing most <laughs> of the time of like what's going on underneath the story, like what we're seeing of that are people who are very blase about the whole thing and who aren't like, you know, usually you have, and they kind of try to do this where somebody who's new to the thing gets explained it. Um, yes. But even then, it's kind of like yeah. choppy. Yeah, there's not a lot 
there and right and i mean really have a good audience stand-in character like yeah i feel like there is sort of a new guy there's like a couple different new guy characters ish yeah and and you sort of get an explanation about the rules of this horror movie world Mm -hmm. from that but it's not enough for me so that's kind of a structural complaint i guess but sure i feel like my bigger problem is just that i don't quite care enough about this movie like any one part of it and yeah for me like my general feeling about this movie is like oh it's cute you know like <laughs> like yeah I, but like people are so into this movie I so know. i guess like maybe like it i don't it, i think you have to have a very specific taste for that sort of like meta commentary um i don't know i feel like it's it may maybe it's just hard to do like a meta movie um oh yeah definitely yeah i think so and i think the final girls is actually trying to do some similar stuff because i haven't seen it but i did see some scenes excerpted at Mm -hmm. new york comic-con the year before it came out like i went to the panel about that movie and like listened to the actors talk about it and stuff and i saw one of the scenes Um, yeah they definitely try to do a lot of meta stuff yeah, um, so I'm I'm interested to see how they approach it because yeah. this movie definitely capitalizes on not just horror movie tropes, but like the assumptions that the audience is going to make about what will happen in the movie and like trying to twist that and be like, hi, you thought it would be this, but it's this. And like, yeah, that's what the movie's kind of trying to do, I think. And that can be entertaining i think the first time you see it for me i was too busy like being <laughs> wrapped up in what my are own the weird confusion about the movie which yeah. is my problem well, and i'm ha- i'm happy to acknowledge that but i think yeah. other people maybe enjoyed just the surprise of that and being like oh how are they going to figure this out how are the how are the main characters going to get out of this bizarre scenario that they're in yeah I think, yeah, for me, I I feel like the movie wasn't very clear on exactly what it wanted to say. Like, it got as far as deciding it wanted to do kind of this meta, like, looking at horror movie tropes and offering, like, funny alternate, like, explanations for them um, and, and kind of adding, like, this, this funny subplot. But it's, like, sometimes it tries to get, like, critical about, like, society's love of horror but, films. Like, does it? Yeah, it's it's like there's all there are parts of it and we can talk about that kind of reminded me of um a fucking guy his stupid movie um, <laughs> what guy funny games funny games whoever oh, you know that director it. yes and yes, the whole yes. point of it is like there's even an explicit scene where like the bad guy turns the camera is like you sick motherfucker or something yeah you know? like it's yeah. where it's like you like this don't you you love this like horror movie shit and then, so there's yeah. like there's like a baby kind of thread of that but they don't really go in hard enough or keep it consistent i guess like it's very strange in a lot of ways it um, it is and it it makes it clear from the start of the movie that this takes place in a world where these are the rules of this world which again is what bothers me or bothered past me mm-hmm. and it i don't think i like this world so it's hard for me to give a shit where like th- these people dying in this horror movie world like does doesn't matter to the characters in the world so then it's hard for me to care if that well, makes it's, sense because it's i mean they create a world in which there's a like it's supposed to symbolically represent what horror movies are in our world well i guess we should just go ahead and explain like the first 10 minutes of the movie yeah because it it's too hard yeah we're really struggling it's fucking meta guys it's meta as fuck yes so So it starts out with bradley whitford from the west wing bradley whitford and richard jenkins yep 
And they're playing yeah. like these two office office guys. Guys, yeah. And they're like in a officey corporate cafeteria. They start like at a coffee machine, like chatting with each other. And Bradley Woodford's complaining about his wife wanting to have, have a baby. baby and baby proofing the whole kitchen and he just can't even get in the cabinets anymore. Women, am I right? And I think we're supposed to kind of dislike him here because he seems like a cad. He's it's right, like a typical he's talking office. about like he's like, it's hormones, it's hormones. Or, yeah, yeah, and I and he like even makes a joke joke about women's issues and then he like says something disparaging to Richard Jenkins where he's like you know all about women's issues it's like you're I don't think you're supposed to like these guys no you know? I, well the whole time they're very like ha 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 like nudge nudge like they're kind of yeah. like they've got a Michael Scott strand in their yeah, DNA they do they definitely yeah. do and like so I think you're right I don't think we're supposed to be like I love them no and so then they walk outside and they're well out of this kitchen office kitchen and then they're in this sort of big warehouse and they are walking downstairs and it's clear that they're in some sort of workplace big, but we don't know what yet yeah. like what would it's require like a warehouse big, white corporate building yes thing. Yeah. but so maybe they're engineers of some kind and mm-hmm. they get in this little buggy that they're gonna drive down this warehouse hallway and there's a bunch of other dudes around getting in buggies yeah. and they run into this woman Amy Acker. Yeah, Amy Acker. I forget what her character's name is, but she's been in like... Her character's name is Lynn. Well, there you Um, go. She's been in like literally every Whedon production ever. Yeah, like Dollhouse. She's the doctor lady from Dollhouse. She was in Angel. She was Mm -hmm. in everything. She's a a Whedon classic, as is Fran Kranz, who's the stoner guy later. Yes, yeah. Anyway, so she's there and she works for the chem department. So we're like, okay, she's a chemist. We don't know what they do. And they're making fun of her and they're talking about Japan. Yeah. And they're having some sort of battle with this other division the japanese division of whatever corporation where they work and that's all we kind of know so far right and they're like japan's coming first every year but we're Mm -hmm. we're a consistent second we do great it was a chem department's fault um that one year so you guys need to step up like it's this weird kind of jocular like office it's like it sounds like they're talking about sales for something yes yeah Yeah. absolutely like closing a sale closing a deal that kind of thing so we're like okay yeah but also we know from the trailers that this is a horror movie and it's a meta horror movie so we're already like how is this like what are we looking at you know yeah and so hadley is like man everyone's all stressed out it's so annoying you want to come over monday and like hang out are you listening to me blah blah and then also we get the title card and and a scream (laughs) music cue yeah Yeah. it's like a boom and like somebody's screaming and it's just big red lettering and we're like oh shit and it says the cabin in the woods yeah yeah and so we're like what is happening it's a little confusing i mean i knew it was happening (laughs) Well, but, I mean, when I first saw it, I was yeah. like, what is happening? Yeah. And that sensation would continue throughout the film for me. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, I know what's happening. Um, I Mary like Ellen was jaded and knowledgeable. Yeah, I'm so she clever. knew all the twists. Yeah. Well, it's hard if you're on like Reddit. One no, I know. Plus, you've also days. seen like a bajillion slasher movies. And yeah. that's exactly what this movie is. So I am curious from your perspective I've like, seen a bajill I've seen a good well, you've number. seen way more than I have and there's, and there's I, a few I really genuinely like and think are like good movies yeah I'm not like ew horror movies which I feel like this movie kind of does it does anyway. yeah it does so but anyway, then so then we're given uh like a whole total scene change we're in this girl's apartment she's in her undies Mm-hmm. She's uh, wearing a t-shirt and underwear. We yeah. get a lot of shots of the thigh gap. On. <laughs> She's honestly great, but I think this is Kristen Connolly, right? Yes, and her name is Dana. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she's she like, looks pa- great. She looks great in the undies. <laughs> great job. Um, <laughs> and she's packing for some kind of upcoming trip. Mm-hmm. And she looks through a sketchbook. She's got like this picture she's drawn of an older man. Uh huh. And, and it's- her female friend goes comes into the room, and is like they're trash talking this guy and it's yeah like that, you need to get over him he's and a apparently jerk he was like a professor that, that Kristen Connolly had an affair with um, yeah and she was like i knew what i was getting into blah blah yeah and the girl's like i dyed my hair look good look, look it's blonde and yeah. it's anna hutchinson and she's the sort of blonde bombshell of yeah. this movie and she's like wow it looks so different you look you look great and she's like it's gonna be such a fun weekend you just need to get away and it'll be fun you know classic horror movie setup they're yeah. going they're getting away from it all they're going to a cabin together with some boys Ooh, yeah Anna and hutchinson's taking her boyfriend who is chris hemsworth yeah and she's like you need to meet his friend he's so cute blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. so already there's kind of like a setup like ploy sort of going on yeah 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 and then the boys come and oh boy who <laughs> it is chris hemsworth and jesse williams um I mean, sign me up for I that mean, weekend. I mean, what more can we say? Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I mean do we have to say anything about the movie? Incredibly beautiful people yes. going to a cabin Great. and bringing bikinis and yeah. board shorts. Oh yeah, there's like a line where she's like, "Bring this bikini, and maybe he'll <laughs> yeah. take it off of you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I felt like this dialogue was very heavy-handed. Yeah, like it, I think. I mean. It's hard because you want to give leeway because I feel like people would be like, but it's supposed to be. And I'm like, "Mm." but it's not like funny enough. No, it's like it's it's how I feel about the whole movie. It's like, oh, it's cute. Like they get a few like lines in and she she like reaches into her bag and is like, why are you bringing economics textbooks? I'm like, literally, who the fuck would do that? Like, I'm a no one. I'm an antisocial nerd and I don't do that. So (laughs) like that was super strange. Like they're making fun of Dana for bringing economics textbooks. And then Chris Hemsworth comes in and like he's taken some of the same classes as her and they like sort of have a joss whedon probably wrote it back and forth where chris hemsworth is like suddenly really snarky in this one exchange about which textbook she should be taking and reading and like never yeah. has that personality again for the rest of the movie which is maybe intentional <laughs> according to the sci-fi things that right. happen later but i think it it's is weird. but it's frustrating for me i don't it know it is frustrating yeah. because i feel like there isn't enough time to establish what yes. kind of dynamic the characters have before they go to the cabin. And yes. then later in the movie, the rest of the movie hinges on that dynamic changing once they get to the cabin. Right. And that is not really a spoiler. It's it's a big part of the movie. It's like the premise of it. Right. Um, but since we don't really see the characters being like normal ever... We it get just this one scene. And it's really short. It's it like is. a quick scene. Right. So I don't, I didn't like fall in love with the way that these characters were and then feel betrayed later when like bad things happen to them and they right. seem to have different circumstances, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, I agree. And like, so Chris Hemsworth gets in his little line where he's like, you should read this instead because mm-hmm. um, the professor hasn't memorized it yet. So he'll think you're insightful <laughs> yeah. when you offer yeah, things yeah, up. Yeah. So it sounds like he's like in a higher grade than they are at some state yeah, school Yeah, I think, I mean, I know from the rest of the movie that all of them are supposed to be really smart, except for Marty, maybe. But then Marty's <laughs> like secret smart. 
Yeah. I I, like all five of the like young people who go to the cabin are like fucking geniuses. Right. Why can't one of them be like dumb, but like nice and fun? I don't know. None of them are like Jules is supposed to be pre-med. The blonde girl is pre-med. Oh, I didn't even. Wow. Damn. Oh, did yeah. you miss that line? Yeah, There's like I a line have. where Dana says that she's pre-med. Right. I remember and, the like, one. They're all supposed to be really smart. I remember it's the one weird. about Kurt, Chris Hemsworth character, how he's a sociology student and he's on academic scholarship. Yeah. Yes, yeah. There's all these little throwaway lines that well, describe. And then, meanwhile, later on, um, Holden, uh, Kurt's friend, is is described as the Latin. scholar and knows Latin. So yeah, <laughs> they're all like secret geniuses who just like to hang out, I guess. Yeah, but... and Dana just reads econ textbooks for fun. Yeah. So like literally all of I don't know. It's I don't it's know. A weird well, I guess, movie. Like I guess I mean you hang out with your smart friends, but like sure. I don't. I, like, I don't have friends who are all academically successful. I feel like that would I definitely be... don't have friends who are all this smart and this hot. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's not... This was some <gasps> kind of, like, they all became friends after participating in a genetic experiment together. Yeah, like, and... everybody was raised in a lab to <laughs> yeah. be in this movie. To be incredibly hot and intelligent. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and, like, the fact that once they get to the cabin, they, like, start changing their personalities is, again, part of it. So it would help if we saw a little more of that, but the movie right. just doesn't earned really it instead of being that. like i'm smart like you know i don't know <laughs> or like exposition yeah. ways of telling us that they're smart as opposed to showing us anyway right. um and then kurt realizes that dana doesn't have any pants on he's like you don't have any pants on bye and it's like haha it's very yeah it's not it's not again not funny enough that i laughed right i like i had kind of like a half smile like huh. Okay. Also, like, she has her pants off in front of three open windows. Yeah. Like, the entire street can She's see on a street her corner, in her underwear. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. And we're supposed to believe this is, like, the virginal nerd character. But she's not a virgin. <laughs> well, I know, but, but like, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's really strange. And I also, mean, like, good point. Are we supposed to think that? This movie doesn't really know what tropes it wants. Yeah. None of this is going to make sense until after we pass the spoiler she section. She said she but... slept with the, the professor. No, I know. I think she did. But yeah. there's, she's still supposed to be like the innocent Original. one. But I guess that's part of the fake personnel. I don't know. I can't talk about this movie without, can't, without spoiling <laughs> okay. it clearly. Okay. So then they get downstairs and she meets Holden, the hottie, Jesse He's Williams. Jesse Williams. So she's fucking blown away because right. it's Jesse Williams. She's like, whoa, hey. But like, she's like, it's too soon. I don't want to. She's blah, shy. Blah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they meet Marty, who's mm-hmm. the comedian. Marty pulls up. He's got a bong in his car. Bong. He's hotboxing his car as he drives down the street. My d- my dad learned the term hotboxing recently, <laughs> but he kept calling it tinderboxing. <laughs> and we're like, no, that doesn't mean no, anything. That, it was a good time. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Every time I think of Tinderboxing sounds like you set your car on fire and <laughs> die in it. Like, Honestly. That's not, I mean, that's a danger, folks. Don't yeah. hotbox your car. Don't tinderbox your car. Yeah. But every time I hear hotboxing now, I think tinderboxing. That's, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so he's hotboxing, he pulls up, and he's like, I'm crazy. Like, it's just, it's, so, it's like from the gate, like, so much. He literally is Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, well, like, he, like, I've seen this actor, I think I saw him in Dollhouse and stuff, but he's pitching his voice here, he's like, hey, guys, like, it's really a lot. And it's, I'm like... 
I we, feel like he gets a little more toned down yeah, as the movie goes along. Sure. Maybe I just got used to it. But in this first scene, so I found him like intolerable. <laughs> it was it was almost like a high school play. Like no, yeah. I'm, I'm being mean to this actor. I'm really sorry. No, I think it's I think it's a, a criticism of the takes that they chose. So yeah. it might be the editor. I think who it's a direction these. problem. Because I actually think the actor's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, no, I've seen him do well with other things. But here he's like, hey, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I love ball. Weed. His bong is like shaped like a coffee mug, and so he collapses it to look like a. Yeah, it has like a telescopic end to it. So I do remember finding that funny the first time I saw this movie, and this time I was like, "This isn't funny. I hate this." So (laughs) that was something that sucked the second time. I was still in like the half smile, like okay. Yeah, I mean, the first time I saw it, I genuinely found him enjoyable here. But the second time I was like, shut up. Like a lot of people thought Marty was like a hoot. They thought he was like, well, I think I I definitely did the first time. Given the audience for this film, though, too. I mean, it's probably like a lot of white 20 something stoner stoners. Right. So guys, stoners love cabins. Stoners. Oh, my God. Maddie, I didn't even think of the cabin tie in. If anyone hasn't listened, I thought of it as I was saying that sentence. (laughs) If anyone hasn't listened to our Hulk episodes, yeah, go back and listen to the Hulk episodes for more cabin discussion. (laughs) We talk a lot about the importance of the cabin aesthetic. Yeah, which Uh, this movie is all about. It's role in the early 2000s and how millennials. Love I think I think this is why people our age love this movie. <laughs> That's probably it. They just heard Cabin. They're like, "You've sold me." I'm in. Yeah, I'm fucking the in. Cabin done. Apparently, yep. there's a movie called The Cabin, where it's about like this white guy who goes to meet God. Cool. And so well, I'm I told, on board. <laughs> I told my mom I was doing a podcast episode on Cabin in the Woods. She's like, "Oh, is that the one with like God?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" But it is. There's a thing More called like the cabin. The opposite, mom. <laughs> the you don't devil. Even know, mom. <laughs> that's how I talk to my mother. Yeah, Whatever, good. mom. Keep anyway. it up. That's um, that's how Marty talks in this movie. Yeah, that was very close to my Marty. <laughs> it actually was. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he comes out. He's got this bomb, and they're like, "You're so stoned, Marty." Ha ha. And he's like, "I am." <laughs> I am stoned. <laughs> That's like his character. He's just it stoned. Is. I don't even remember what his lines are. They're not funny enough for me to remember them. You know? They, okay, I remember them. Okay. He. They're Great. like. They're like. Why would you ever drive around with a giant bong? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Well, if a cop sees a guy drive around with a giant bong, he's like, I'm not gonna mess with that guy. He's operating on like False. a whole other. <laughs> he's operating on a whole other level. I'm not gonna mess with him because he'll win with logics or something. I mean, unfortunately, that's Marty's <laughs> arc in this movie. <laughs> I guess. And so it's it just, kind of is. Yeah. But again, that's like a joke where you're like, huh, like, okay. But yeah. you know, there's no like punchline. I don't know. No, it's, it's, I feel like this movie needed somebody else to come in and punch it up. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, but the, I don't know if you mentioned this, but the place they're all packing up to go to is Kurt's cousin uh, has a cabin out in the yep. woods. Got mm-hmm. all the cabins, and so they're all going out to go by this lake and hang out and do sexy stuff, whatever. Yep, and they're all getting in the mystery machine. <laughs> they together. all hop, hop in the old RV. Yeah, and uh, and it's Kurt's dad's RV. Kurt has a lot of familial connections uh, for things, I guess. Yeah, um, pretty convenient. Yeah, almost too, too convenient. Um, and so they get in the RV, and it's great. Oh, as um, they're pulling away on oh, the roof. Yeah. Yes. We see a guy who's got like a microphone in his ear and he's like, 
like an earpiece. The, the clients have left or whatever the fuck yeah. he says. He, so we know it they're seems being watched. like a CIA guy or something is watching right. them. But then it's clear that it's Bradley Whitford's company that's yeah. watching them. They're yeah. watching them. We put two and, and two like, together. Okay, and we're like, okay. great. Yeah. This is still all within like the first five minutes of yeah. the movie. Uh, and then they have a quick conversation in the RV where like Marty's smoking weed. Wow. Um, and... He has this whole conversation where he's like, you know what, man? Society, like, sucks. Society's like, falling apart. Society's, no, it's not falling apart. It's coming together too closely. It's filling in the cracks. Yeah. Everyone's blogging. And everyone's... <laughs> I'm. He says everyone's blogging. I'm like, what? I was... I, was, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, everyone's <laughs> blogging. And they're tracking our kids with chips in them. Yeah, that, it, was, that was weird. Because I was like, that's not a thing that happens in our actual world. <laughs> like, well, I think nobody's putting chips in their kids' brains. I think but, he's supposed to sound like paranoid stoner but also be kind of right and i'm like none of this is right none of this is true like it's bad that yeah we track everything like it's people should have privacy but i don't think that means but but nobody is putting chips in children they aren't right like that's not a thing that's going on maybe we haven't been following the news enough i don't know enough about parenting people can write in let us know if you're putting chips in your kids brains to keep track of them or ripley what has it, ripley has a chip in her my cat i guess it's kind of foreshadowing yeah i mean I, they do do that for pets you're right um but i guess it's kind of foreshadowing for the fact that like I think all of these characters have chips in them because mm. so we keep getting these cuts back to Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins and they have like cameras everywhere on these five kids mm-hmm. and they can track their vital signs. Mm. This is all introduced really quickly in the yeah. movie. Like because their like, heart rate, everything like yeah. they they've got like multiple microphones and cameras. They're listening in on every single thing these kids are saying and doing. They've got geolocation on the cabin and shit. I think yeah. pretty early on too we see like a bird flying near the cabin and the bird tries to fly over this ravine and the bird smacks into this invisible wall that lights up with electricity yeah and so it's like what there's an invisible force field around the cabin and so like the sci-fi element that happens like before they get to the cabin yeah that uh, that is introduced really quickly so we're like not even 10 minutes in and we already understand Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins work for a company that is setting up these five kids to go to this cabin and and probably die like we we know enough about the tropes of what's being presented here that we're like okay why are they being led to their death (laughs) like what's going on here you know so that but it's it's literally like it's not like that's later revealed it's set up no no that's all set up and so and so then I think that's supposed to dovetail with Marty's little monologue here where he's like you know society's going too far but i don't i don't know if i get it because i'm like this doesn't represent my society so i don't really know like what you're saying yeah well and i think i mean because the ongoing joke is always that marty's the dumb stone that they all laugh at but he's actually Right. right the whole time yeah but it's like but the things he's saying here i mean like we don't know what's really happening but the stuff he's saying here isn't like Kind of like oh marty has a point like i don't know it's fucking well everybody's still laughing at him because he's still supposed to be like the dumbass in this scene right but it's like i i don't know he doesn't have any wisdom to offer to our particular cultural moment that's all I don't i'm think saying so yeah. I, I didn't really feel like i mean i think this movie would have benefited from having a character like that and i think that's who they want marty to be but they didn't but develop I- him enough no so i i don't feel like he has he's actually saying anything right yeah i don't know how i don't know how far along in the plot we want to go Uh, they they get to this gas station yeah they get to the gas station and it's like your classic like 
like creepy old guy warning them not to yeah, go Mordecai to a place. Yeah, warns them the harbinger. And like back at the office, we we get treated to a moment where Bradley Whitford is making fun of Mordecai. Right, because Mordecai calls them after the kids leave to be like, uh, like the lambs have gone for the slaughter and their innocent eyes like do not know what awaits. <laughs> and I gave him a southern accent. He doesn't really have a southern accent. <laughs> It's just the only way I can be creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was really creepy. <laughs> and Bradley Wolfers like, all right, dude, whatever. Like they're very like blase about, about it. Yeah, and I again, I'm kind of like I don't feel like I understand the joke here. Like who are they're, we like, laughing dying at? Dying laughing. Yeah, like the characters in the office are laughing at Mordecai, right. and it's weird because it's like. We still don't know why these kids are being set up to die. Right. It's clear to us that that's what's happening by now. Right. Well, but we don't like, understand Mordecai... what this company's goals are or yeah. like why do they employ Mordecai? And his job is to warn them and the kids are supposed to ignore the warning. And they do. Yeah. They write him off as a creepy old guy. He well, calls like, Jules yeah. a whore. Yeah. And they're all mad at that, understandably. And they right. ignore him. Right. And leave. And well, they get gasoline, but then they leave. Yeah. So that so... they're in the wrong, apparently. I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. All right. So we're going to cut for spoilers, I think, here. Yeah. But I, I guess I'll say I do think that this movie is supposed to be a metaphor for making movies. Oh, yeah. I think I can say that without spoiling anything. Yeah. The office that's orchestrating this horror movie situation with the kids is supposed to be, I think, a metaphor for a Hollywood movie production set putting yeah. together a movie. And that's just an overarching thing in this film. And I think that without that, I mean, there'd be no movie. Like, that's the joke or the premise, I think, is mm -hmm. supposed to be that. And I, I think that's maybe interesting. And I enjoyed it more the second time because I just tried to watch it through that lens as opposed to focusing on the rules of the world. Instead, yeah. I just tried to approach it as purely metaphorical. I didn't focus on the fact that the rules don't make any sense. I just was like, <laughs> I'm just going to think about it through that metaphor. And I think the movie is more enjoyable if you look at it that way. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know if that's enough for me to want to recommend the movie. Yeah. Personally. I think that's fair. Do you recommend it? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I think it's fine. Um, I don't I don't think it's, <laughs> it's a like a solid s 7 out of 10. Yeah. No, not even 7. Um, 6? Probably it's probably a C+. Plus. <laughs> probably it's probably high a high grade. <laughs> that's true. That is the highest grade. Uh, no. Um, it's fine. It's it's there's nothing particularly offensive about it. Uh, I you know, I think it thinks it's more clever than it actually is as a movie that offends me deeply so <laughs> no, movies i think they're more clever than they are kind of but like it yeah. doesn't really yeah, i i think i don't think it's very clear about its own what it's trying to say and i've seen people argue that it it leaves it up for the audience to figure out but i don't think Does that's it? particularly true i i don't think it even <laughs> gives you many sides I don't feel, yeah, I don't feel like there's anything to figure out. Right. I don't think there's a big mystery. I think it just didn't really go that far in kind of developing a, yeah, a thought I, process. I, I, I mean, I could just be an idiot, but I feel like I kind of just said what it is. Like, it's a metaphor for Hollywood movies, right? Like, isn't that... We could, we'll talk more. Well, I think there's, well, okay. there, I think there there's like be some other layers yeah. to that. I think there's sure, also but... like a vague kind of moral line um, right. that, that this tried to be brought up, but I think it's underdeveloped and hacky. And so that well, part. Okay. We can get to that. Yeah. I feel like the movie actually doesn't really take a moral stand. Okay. We, and we can, we can discuss that once we get past spoilers. But so in general, I think it's fine. I think, you know, if you want to just watch like a 
interesting movie with some hotties. You know, go for it. Um, I I don't think there's any. I don't think the character development's very good. Um, yeah, like it's I not. think all of the I call they said they're kids, but they're all in their twenties. I don't think like any of the those guys are very interesting. You know, I think the actors all do okay, um, except for a little bit of of the Marty guys stuff. I mean, going I on. feel like Marty is the closest to having a fully realized character, and like that is sad because his entire character is like being Weird. a funny stoner who accidentally is smart. Right. I told I told Maddie reminds me of John Stewart's character from Half Baked. Have you ever seen <laughs> yes. those scenes where he's like, "What about if you watch TV on weed? Like, what if you did this on weed? Like, he just seems yeah, like it's that. that. It's, it's basically that. that. Guys, that performance tells what you everything you, you need to know. What if you were in a horror movie on, on weed? <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I, it's fine. It's it's not. I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't really feel any kind of emotional response to it. I didn't I don't know. hate it though. I no, I didn't hate. It. I wasn't like Nolan. Um, I was like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. It's fine. I, I, and I don't, I don't have anything in this movie where I'm like, oh, it's like really sexist. It's more just that the movie has a lot of missed opportunities there yes. because I feel like the movie could be making some really interesting commentaries about like racism in horror movies and sexism in horror movies, and instead, it kind of raises those questions and does nothing with them. Yeah, I think it's it's a deliberate choice to have a black guy in your meta commentary horror film and not say anything about how race is treated in horror movies. Yeah. Because like seems... literally every horror fan you know, ha there's like that like classic thing about the black guy always dying first or the black yeah, guy. Yeah, you know, but they like, don't really address that They don't that go here. anywhere near that. Um, and, and they don't really actually navigate the whole like virgin horror dichotomy. No. They kind of bring it up with yeah. Jules and Dana, but then they don't really navigate yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's the frustration um, with this movie is it, it, it brings up a lot. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like movies. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't take a stance. It doesn't go anywhere. And I don't think it does that in a way where they like encourage you to run with it. it I think it just is like unfinished almost. Um, yeah, it feels like it needed another pass. Like yeah. it needed to either be funnier or more satirical or just be a horror movie, which is like your thing that you said. So basically you were right. And uh, thank you. Finally, someone <laughs> realizes that I am always right. Yeah, but as it is, the movie is fine. It doesn't like upset me. Yeah, and I think I think if people sometimes like I I can admit this like sometimes I will get super into a movie because I find an interesting strand of analysis in it, and I think it's totally possible that maybe somebody can piece together something that they really enjoyed out of this. Um, like it it just didn't do that for me. Like I didn't find that in this, but maybe other people did, and so I don't want to like disrespect. Oh that. yeah, and I I again I don't think either of us hated it. So no, I, I don't. No, I don't. I'm not like this was bad. I think like for what no, it is, it's fine. it's fine. But I think again, I it's, wish it had done a little more. But yes. that's just me. And I don't think it had a lot of like emotional resonance or anything like that. But you know, your mileage may vary, and uh, we still love you either way. Hell yeah. All right, let's spoil this <laughs> Hell shit. Hell yeah. Can a movie really be spoiled? Does knowing the plot really ruin a movie? It's sort of a philosophical question. We can't answer that for you. Just figure out what you want to do. But if you don't want to know the plot, turn this off. Right now. Boom. All right. Let's spoil it. They left the gas station. As they go through this like little tunnel, the RV does. And that's the scene where we see a bird hit like an invisible 
wall. Right, the wall. And yeah. and so that's sort of like, okay, so there's almost a science fiction level of how right. great the technology is that's following these kids. Like this company has infinite resources. Who's funding them? Like what, yeah. what the fuck even is this company? Those are the questions that I asked the first time I saw this movie when I was like deeply <laughs> what is hung up on what the fuck. Maddie's like You're furiously never taking notes. To those questions. <laughs> like, go ahead and let that go because yeah. no one's going to tell you jack no. shit. Or like how to make an invisible wall. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to know the it specs like on that. It looked like there was like some kind of wiring because it yeah, like shocks the Yeah, and it's so big. It yeah. goes all the way down the ravine. Right. And the ravine looks, I mean, somebody falls <laughs> down that ravine and they go for a long time. They sure they do. They sure do. Uh, so then they arrive at the house and it's basically the house from Evil Dead. It looks cabin. exactly like it. There's right. a lot of referential stuff in this movie. I think, I think home half home the enjoyment of this movie is, is probably like horror fans being like, hey, hi. Oh, like yeah. Very winky, winky, you know, like, yeah. Well, I don't like Family Guy either. So that's probably why I don't. <laughs> That's, not a, enough that's a pretty me. sick burn, Maddie. That's a pretty a, sick listen, burn. Listen, I need a movie to do more than just show me Remember? a thing I've already seen. Yeah. Like, no. I need I need something else. I hear I'm you. Sorry. No, I I'm agree. sorry if anyone in our audience is interpreting that <laughs> in a mean way. I don't mean it that way. It's just personally, I feel like the humor in this movie needed to go one step further yeah. than just be references. And I think that is a valid, I think that's funny. I think that is a valid kind of family guy-esque criticism where yeah, they're just like, remember this movie? Like, that, you know? That's really what this is. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot so, of that. Um, so they everybody's get in, picking out their rooms. Yeah, and Dana's, Dana we see is kind of our protagonist because like we're mostly getting her reactions to like checking out the cabin for the first time and looking around and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they get to the rooms and Holden gets to his. Um, and there is a spooky painting in his room of like a, a cow being slaughtered or something. Yeah, it looks like a ritual sacrifice. Yeah, and we also saw and a bunch spooky. of ritual sacrifices in the opening credits too. So oh, you're right. It's made clear to us that that's going to be a theme here. Yeah. So we're we're sort of seeing like okay, they're all sacrificing this cow, I guess, and there's like a mysterious guy in the background of the painting. It's a really fucking creepy painting. Yeah. Like it's it's well done. The it's props gross. in this movie are good. Yeah. Good job, that guy. <laughs> yeah for They're sure just like hey and sam do something creepy and he's like okay do like a really fucked up thing <laughs> on it and so he, he i think he says something like not gonna do this yeah <laughs> and or like, like i don't think down. so or something like yeah, that. yeah yeah and he takes it down and there's a one-way mirror behind this painting yeah where he can see into dana's room yeah. And it's creepy because he takes down the painting and all of a sudden Dana's standing there like looking at herself at him, in the mirror. But clearly you can't see him. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, what the hell? And so he like makes sure he can't, she can't see him and is like weird and is like looking at this thing. And then Dana starts unbuttoning her shirt. Yeah. Well, first Holden like looks at her face and makes kind of face like she's all pretty. Um, yeah. Because they're all pretty people. But then she starts yes. putting her shirt and Holden immediately gets uncomfortable. He's like, uh. He has like a crisis of conscience right. where he's like looking at her bra and then being like, oh no, right. what should I do? Right. And it lasts, he like, like walks 20 away seconds and then comes somehow. back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Holden. I mean, really? he, he doesn't let her get very far. He's not like sitting know, there for five minutes. Um, and then he stops her. Yeah, he, he bangs, bangs on, on the, the wall. thing and he yeah. shows he everybody goes in the room, they're all looking at this mirror and they're like, Whoa, this is a fucked up cabin. Like, what's the deal with Kurt's cousin? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. because what the fuck? Uh yeah. Uh, well, Holden gets to talk to Dana one on one. He's like, I was like tempted to like not tell you. Um, I had a real crisis there, but uh, you know, I, I told you, blah mm-hmm. blah. 
And then uh, he offers to switch rooms if it would make her more comfortable. Yeah, and she goes with it, and they switch rooms. Yeah. And meanwhile, we see the office again, and Bradley Whitford's like, oh, we got a room switch, so-and-so's in room four, such-and-such in room five, and they've got all these cameras on every single room in the house. Yes, this is when, I think this is the first time we see, like, the cameras on every single person. They're, like, mic'd up. They've got everyone watching them in the office and and everything like that. Yeah, and we're like, wow, they are really... Yeah. on this track with hype. this murder cabin yeah and then this, this is where the call happens where he calls mordecai and he's like great job buddy you did your thing you played your role blah blah, blah. and then they all laugh mm-hmm. at him we're like why are they they do and they call him like the harbinger and yeah. i think this is when so there's this one new guy at work one of the only other black actors in the movie Truman. who's the new guy and he's he's kind of baffled by everything that's going on yeah. so occasionally they explain stuff to him but mostly he's weirded out that everybody finds this funny and weird or is like acting cavalier about it yeah and yeah. amy acker keeps being like you'll get used to it like this is just kind of how we blow off steam here since we what we do here is like actually kind of fucked up but it's our job and and that's kind of established in those conversations where yeah and uh what we see going on is um Bradley Whitford's uh, character is ex- is taking bets uh, yes, for something. They all start taking bets for something, yeah. and and like everybody in the office, and apparently there's hundreds and hundreds of employees. So. Right, there's an intern. <laughs> yeah, there's this fucking intern guy. I you know I wish I had found any of this funny. I don't yeah. know why. He's I one of the Buffy don't... guys. So I think people are supposed to be excited. That it's like, oh, there's the Buffy guy. I don't know. I don't know. I just for whatever reason these jokes don't work for me. But like yeah. the intern like bets on something that's the same thing as some other guys, and they have to decide if they're going to split the winnings or not. Yeah. There's this huge jar of money, and everybody's taking bets. And this is. I think it's fairly clear that they're taking bets on how the kids are going to die. Yeah. Well, they're they're taking bets on on some like, what'll happen, what yeah. they'll choose. Yeah. They don't say right away, but I extrapolated it pretty quickly, yeah. especially since this is one of the many conversations where Amy Anker is talking to Truman and being like, "I know it seems really gruesome, but just go with it because we haven't evaluated ourselves at all." So. Right. And Truman says something like like what are you even betting on? Like if he's like I thought, aren't you guys like controlling this whole scenario? And so like, what is there even to bet on? And they're like, no, no, no. There's actually like a lot of choice involved. Like they, we try to rig the game as much as we can, but like they're ultimately the ones who have to choose. Right. Um, And I think Bradley Woodford says something like they have to be punished. Like they have to do something wrong and then be punished. Um, And Truman's, and they're like, you want to bet? And Truman's like, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, No, I'm morally superior to all of you. Right. And Amy Acker like sneakily like hands them her bet. Um, So she's like in in with them too. Uh, I will say like, I think Bradley Whitford's performance in this this movie is funny. I think it is. Yeah. He's good at doing the character he is. Yeah. Which is like, I think he does a good job. I think Richard Jenkins do, do a good job. I think like, I think there was, a more character there than there is with the like four main I agree people, actually yeah five main people. you're right I I said that I didn't feel like anybody in this movie was like enough of a person but I actually agree I yeah. feel like Bradley Whitford is he seems like a guy right there there's more life in those scenes than there is in like the actual like main storyline I guess but 
whatever. Yeah, which is maybe intentional. I think because what, it's like, a what? commentary on how going to the cabin what? turns these characters into archetypes, and they're like not even people anymore, man. But, but I feel like they? that would work better for me if they were seemed more human at any other point. Right. If they had like more time to cook before they got to yeah. yeah. Before they became archetypes, right. which they're already becoming. Exactly. And so um, they we get back to the cabin and they're having a party. And they're yeah. playing music and they're like, hey, I'm just hanging out, drinking with the friends. Um, that's the song that's playing. <laughs> it's performed by me. <laughs> um, I Is this the party where Jules makes out with the... Yeah. Are they playing Truth or they're Dare? They're playing Truth or oh Dare. God, yeah. And Marty dares Jules to make out with what he thinks is a deer, but is a wolf's head. A moose, he thinks it is. Oh, he He's thinks so it's a moose. high that he thinks it's a taxidermied moose head, but it's a taxidermied wolf head. And they're, they're like, it's a wolf. And he's like whatever man i'm on weed and there was like aha marty and it's like okay good one <laughs> he literally is like i'm i'm in reefer's womb or something like that i'm like there's this extremely long scene where jules, jules makes, makes out, out with the, with the wolf. wolf this is a scene that before i saw this movie this was spoiled for me because everyone fucking talked about this scene when the movie came out Why? for whatever reason I think it freaked people out. It is a little freaky because she like sucks on the wolf's like dead tongue. tongue. Yeah, and it's and a I gross. think people. F- this scene goes on for like five minutes. Well, Not what really. it's, it's to- probably like thirty <laughs> seconds, but it feels Ten like minutes. five minutes. And. <laughs> And nothing happens, but you think that the wolf is going to, like, come alive and bite her or yeah. something. Well, it's like scary wolf face. It is, like, yeah. scary looking. It's like a taxidermied wolf that's, like, really well taxidermied and, like, baring its teeth. Yeah. And it looks werewolfy. And it's got, like, and crazy eyes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's like a spooky wolf head. Right. And she's making out with it. And it's, like kind of a funny scene kind of a scary scene i feel like this scene encapsulates what i think the movie's trying to do of like being funny and scary at the same time yeah i guess i'd argue this scene sticks to the landing i don't know that the rest of the movie does but i kind of get why people remembered it and they were like that was so weird and funny and like disturbing to watch but I, it, I was, it was kind of like visually like um I yeah because yeah. i think what it's supposed to show like they you can hear people talking about how they've basically like doped like they're putting like chemicals out into the air like the Um, office people are talking about that yeah yeah yeah. they're putting chemicals out into the air in this cabin and they also um put chemicals in um her hair dye jules's hair dye blonde hair dye to make her less intelligent and they give amy acker all of these lines yeah about how like yeah isn't this great we've made her really dumb and really horny and it's yeah. like i feel like it kind of saves like how gross that is by having amy acker be the one to deliver these <laughs> yeah. lines but i still was like bothered by them more so the first time i saw this where i was like are we basically saying that like this office has removed consent from jules oh, absolutely <laughs> Because we just had Bradley Whitford telling Truman, oh, they make the choice to be bad. Not that I think having sex is bad. It's not. But this movie kind of like doesn't know what it wants to say about that, I feel like. Yeah. Because so Jules is starting to become this like really amped, horny blonde. (laughs) She's a horn dog. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like making out with this wolf. And then there's later scenes where she's like you know doing sexy dances for everybody and stuff like yeah. that's her arc is right. like becoming increasingly horn doggy right but 
I don't know. I don't know. I can't judge her because, like, I wouldn't judge her even if she was doing that stuff without the chemicals. Like, let the girl do. Well, I think because I feel like the movie's saying, "Oh, you have to excuse her. She's usually smart and good, but these chemicals make her bad." She's usually pre-med, but now (laughs) she's a slut. And so (laughs) instead of saying, "Oh, it's really silly that horror movies want to punish sexuality," they're saying, "Well, sexuality actually is very bad, but it's not her fault." And I'm like, "That's fucked up." Is that the message you really wanted to land on? is saying like they couldn't just have her actually be like a dumb nice friend who likes to fuck (laughs) they weren't willing to commit to that right and then and then have the movie like make you feel guilty that she gets killed because guess what if jules was a nice dumb friend who likes to fuck she wouldn't deserve to get murdered (laughs) yeah why is it bad to want to fuck chris hemsworth honestly literally we are all (laughs) we're all in that boat man or woman like come on (laughs) yeah like have you seen the man Have like you, what the fuck come on whatever uh, no i hear you i and it, so it's i like i think they didn't really think that through they because they like try to kind of make fun of the oh like sex is the thing that sets it all off sort of thing like they make fun yeah, of that but like because they also, she is gonna be the first to die i mean skipping it we're we're not gonna get there yet but she is gonna yeah. be the first to die and that's the justification is that she's like i think she just wants sex so well bad. i think i think the rule is that she has to show her breasts and then like she's able to be killed whatever that's Ugh. i think that's what it is but it's like like, I don't know. Like, they don't critique that. They you don't. Know? They, they just have it happen. They show us her breasts right. and then she does. The, the most they do is say, like, oh, Jules is normally, like, a very good girl. But now she's being bad because of the drugs we put in her brain. <laughs> because we made her bad according right. to these drugs. And so now she dies. It's so sad. But sex is bad. Like, it's just very, I don't know. It's very muddled. Um, it is. It is. So, so anyway, they're playing truth or dare together. And- yeah, they get to Dana and uh, Chris Hemsworth's character, Kurt. He kind of, like, teases her and he's like, you're going to say truth. And she's like, what are you saying he's like well you're gonna say dare at first and then jules is gonna give you dare that you won't be up for doing and then you're gonna ask for truth and so Mm -hmm. he sets her up to be like kind of defensive and like no so then they're about to give uh dana a dare when the cellar door blows open yeah and again it's like the same kind of cellar door from evil dead it's the one where yeah (laughs) yeah and it it. it blows open like really loudly and suddenly yeah like it and and they all look at it and chris hemsworth is like must have been the wind and marty continues to be the stoned voice of reason and is like how would that happen and like everyone ignores him yeah he's like that sounds impossible and yeah yeah and I, I can't remember if it's happened yet, but he's already had moments where he's kind of pointed out, like, why are you all acting so strange? Like, why is Jules suddenly acting different? Like, he's started to kind of inform the audience that things are awry. Like, Jules is suddenly acting way hornier and yeah. weirder and that, ditzier than That comes normal. a little later, but he uses the word celebutard. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, he calls Jules that. And a I was like, what the dark. fuck does that mean? I, <laughs> Are you trying to say she's acting like a celebrity and also like using a slur? <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck you. It's, it was a very, like, it was a very, not only is it a bad word choice because it's like, it brings up a word that you shouldn't call people, but because it's like, what does that mean? I feel like that was them trying to sound like cool and like hip or something. Yeah, and, like, yeah, like get it. She's like 
Paris Hilton or something or right. like whoever everybody hated in 2011. But I don't know. I hated it. I thought <laughs> I was, it really stuck out to me. I'm like, wow, this yeah. does not sound like a 20 something speaking. And he points out that like Chris Hemsworth is suddenly acting like an alpha male when he yeah. doesn't normally do that either. He's normally also like a nerd. We're supposed to buy that Chris Hemsworth <laughs> is ever a nerd. I don't know. Because this he was movie. like, I've read this book. Let's leave. Like that was him being a nerd. <laughs> I've heard of sociology. I'm Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> well, and I on, memorized this line. <laughs> he's on academic scholarship. So You're I guess right, this he is. is. But, like, we have to be told that. We do. He's not, like, doing research in the bushes or something. I don't know. <laughs> that would be adorable. <laughs> would be, it'd be cool if he was just, like, a bio nerd and was, like, sampling caterpillars or something. I would have loved that. Why you didn't know, I write this rewrite movie? this movie. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they all... That this provides a great opportunity for Dana to have a dare that she's not going to want to do. So they dare her to go into the cellar. Yeah. Um, and she takes a flashlight down there, wanders down there. And I think the first two things she shines her light on are are the Buckners. Like there's a photo of some people mm-hmm. who look like farmers or something. And then she shines a light somewhere else. And it's a photo of Patience Buckner. And she screams because like it, it looks like a life-size human face. But it's actually just like a really big, yeah. like drawing i think i don't think it's a photo of her i think it's just like a really lifelike drawing of patients i don't know it could be a photo i don't know um but then so they hear a scream so the rest of the gang comes down to look at Mm -hmm. what's going on i think holding comes first he's like are you okay because he like wants to do it yeah Um, (laughs) he wants like some cred to cash in totally Um, which you know but everybody else clomps down the stairs and um brings more lights with them yeah and this cellar is full of horror movie props. Ah, I'm it's sure just, I, yeah, I'm sure I didn't every catch time them all. you look around, it's it's a bunch of haunted dolls. Yeah. It's like a weird old sphere. There's like, like kabuki face masks. There's like yeah, um, there's a shell, a big conch shell. Yeah, that there's Chris like a, there's like a Hellraiser puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all this. There's stuff. there's like a bride's gown oh, that's on like a mannequin with a locket. Yeah. yeah. There's um, a diary. Yeah. And they each pick up different things. Oh, and there's a movie projector reel, too. There's oh, a bunch yeah. of different stuff that, like, could lead to different things. And this is when we're kind of getting, like, oh, this is what they mean by choice. Like, whichever object they pick up and decide to use is right. going to be what haunts them Right, because we all see, they're all kind of fiddling with different things. And, like, we can kind of put, it like... Um, Kurt picks up a conch shell and looks like he's about to blow through it, but then like yeah. puts it back down. And then he and starts. And Jules has this locket and she's about to put, put it, it on. on. Kurt and later picks up a puzzle and starts messing around with the Hellraiser puzzle. Yeah. And um, Holden is looking at like a music box that's oh, like yeah. clearly haunted. I mean, they're all like getting like increasingly ensconced in these like terrifying objects. Right. <laughs> and it's right. Like, what um, is everyone doing? And even Marty kind of gets ensconced in the, the film reel and yeah. he's looking through it and he's like about to look through it. And then Dana interrupts all of them because she's started reading from this diary and it's mm-hmm. Patience's diary. And everybody drops their objects. They suddenly no longer care about their objects anymore. They yeah, suddenly it's like only focus it's like on the style was broken or something yeah and it's almost like each of these objects is sort of magical in some way and once you start actually interacting with one of the objects whoever does that first then that would have kicked off a different plot line but the weird thing is like in this universe there's not supposed to be any magic it's all supposed to be pheromones and chemicals that's why I was so confused the first time I watched this because what what chemical would make you like really interested in a thing I don't think I think it's both 
That's that's why this movie's fucking crazy because yeah. there's magic is real and chemicals and shit are essentially magical and also real in this. Yeah, well, I think they hand wave it by saying these things are gifts from the the bad 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 thing. Yeah, their boss essentially. Yeah. Um, right. But but like essentially, magic is real. I mean, for the yeah. purposes of this, but I it's don't like know. annoying because it's like how I that's that gives you so much freedom. Look, I know this is why the first time I watched this movie, I was fucking weirded out <laughs> because and confused. It's all, it seems like they're trying to do oh, like what is the what would be the mundane explanation for these kind of behaviors? But then they're also like also oh, there's magic. Okay, yeah, like, it's it's cheating. It's not I fair. Know. I know they want to have their cake and eat it too. So anyway, Tisk. she starts reading from this diary. Yeah, and it's like these really really creepy entries where Patience right. is describing like her family living in this cabin and like losing it. Um, yeah, and the family's like it's either her brother or her father who like I, yeah I wasn't sure either I she, I think it's her brother. Um, but like her brother basically gets off on like torturing and killing people. Yeah, and the way she phrased it, she's like he gets the husband's bulge or something. Like yeah, when he like kills when people. he's hurting people, but I, and he I, takes them to the black room yeah. to torture them and, and kill I don't them. I don't see the point in it, but like he tells me one day I will or something. Right. Um, so they're basically then, like in this little sadistic incestuous cult. Yeah. Thing. But and she chops off her own arm for some reason, or someone else does. Maybe yeah. she loses her arm somehow. It's all. I, co- I figured yeah. somebody chopped it off of her to teach her the meaning of pain mm. um but, but anyway she's like oh, we will rest now and hopefully one day return and and if people call for us or something yeah and then there's some latin right and marty's like don't read that like don't do it and they're like shut up marty chill out and even yeah. dana's like it's so stupid it doesn't mean anything and she starts to read it well well what happens first is that a whisper says, read it, read oh, it. Oh, you're right. I forgot about the whispers. And yeah. only Marty seems aware of the whisper. He's right. like, does anyone else hear that? Come on. And he's yeah. like sort of breaking the fourth wall and being like, come on, guys. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And everybody else is completely enraptured. Right. They're due like, to chemicals Marty, what's your deal? That aren't affecting Marty, You know, I guess. You know, attention chemical. Maybe that's like some really good Ritalin. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like later... Like later way, they say, spoiler later, they say that like the pot that Marty's on made him immune to some of these things. Yeah, because they they try to. Um, That's one of the final act reveals that I'm spoiling for everybody yeah, because whatever. I don't care. But um, <laughs> yeah. basically, Marty is immune to these things and everybody is supposed to be totally taken in by whatever magic slash chemicals make the basement work <laughs> see that's what annoys it. like i get like i would allow that with other things but if your movie's literally about let's come up with fun reasons behind these things you have to actually come up with reasons you can't get hand wavy yeah but well, whatever um, there's gonna be more dumb making chemicals <laughs> later so. yes I, I already told you anyway um, so they read the latin yeah and as soon as they read it we see in the woods all these you know Zombies, people popping out basically. of the ground yeah you see all the buckners popping out right and they're like ah and it's it's basically like evil dead like they yeah where they, they start read the, walking the towards the, the cabin yeah. yeah 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 totally exactly yeah yeah and so then we get back to the office and they're all like oh so the buckners win woo and so we see this giant list of all these different kinds of monsters Mm-hmm. this big betting board yeah that everybody... everyone was betting on and if you and i like froze it to like read all of them um and so some of them are like real references 
references. Some of them are just like goofy things. There's like a unicorn. Yeah, there's, there's like a merman that merman. Bradley Whitford keeps betting on every yeah, time. Because he like wins. really wants a merman to like show up. Um, yeah. And and it turns out that maintenance won and the intern. Um, yeah, the intern won also. So they all get a bunch of money because the Buckners are going to come kill these kids. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> but it's, and they're like kind of debate. And one woman's like, well, I said zombies. And I'm like, no, no, no. These are like specific redneck zombie family. That's, that's a little different. Blah, blah. So it's like it's this constant theme of like like blase conversation, like like you would in an office bet or something. Yeah, yeah, versus... exactly. Like an office pool about like which football team is going to win or whatever. Right. Like, and and it's... so that juxtaposition is supposed to be like automatically funny. Um, I think so. And it's kind of like you know blase, like the banality of evil sort of thing. Right, exactly. And I I mean I think that you're supposed to kind of feel uncomfortable about that and right. sort of be like oh wow and i i enjoyed it more when i thought about it as being about the movie business yeah like sort of a commentary on that which i don't i don't know if that's giving this movie too much credit it might no i think because i think definitely i think especially in some later scenes there's very deliberate um yeah and, and they'll they'll do this thing where a scene is happening and it's like some intense scene and then it'll cut back to Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins just watching in the office and I think that's very deliberately supposed to call up like you realizing you're watching a movie yeah and yeah you and like oh this was all place. orchestrated right. and like people watching it and I think but, it's supposed to serve as like a kind of mini call out in a way that annoys me yeah it kind of it's it's masturbatory for movies to be about movies I mean they are yeah. really often but like this is really heavy-handed even by movie standards to be like get it but I I think like the only part of it that's interesting to me is when it's criticizing itself and being like yeah, it's fucked up that we're doing this and that we create movies that are about like watching really young, beautiful girls suffer and die because they had sex. Like, is yeah. is that a criticism that's being made? I don't know. The movie doesn't really go far enough yeah. to say that. No. But when I was like trying to be charitable, I was like, this is sort of interesting, like in terms of criticizing that, because I don't think we're supposed to like Bradley Whitford. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the no, second I think time I watched it, I felt more that way. And yeah. I was kind of like, I think the office people are supposed to be villains, which is something that I don't think I fully got the first time I watched it. I th And I think we're supposed to see the ending as very cathartic. I think so, too. Yeah. And I felt that way more this time around. Yeah. So that's something that I kind of appreciate. And I think it's such a fine line to because in a way you're kind of shaming your own audience for watching the shit you made. Um, yeah, but then at the end of this movie, they're kind of shaming the director slash creators of movies but we are but we're the well okay once we get no to the, i know yeah, you're yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all they're also kind of shaming the audience yeah. too and, and i don't like that i don't like that i mean game. that kind of is brought up in the next scene because next we're gonna have jules doing a super sexy dance for everybody yeah. at the party <laughs> She starts dancing on like Holden's yeah. lap. And I guess this is why we're supposed to hate her because she's not just trying to fuck Chris Hemsworth. She's also doing a sexy dance for Holden. And then she starts flirting with Marty too. But Chris Hemsworth doesn't seem to mind. So I'm no, like, Chris why Hemsworth are we supposed back, like, to not yeah. like this? Yeah. He's like, isn't she hot? Guys? My girl's the best. And I, I was like, I don't hate her. Like, she seems kind of also, fun. Also, Chris Hemsworth is supposed to be very alpha male, but he's like, good job, honey. Like, he's not, like, protecting her, like, being like, an maybe ass. I, maybe if he was, like, an asshole and he was like, hey, 
woman get the get off of them right. or, or something like got up in holden's face and was like are you looking at my girl or something like yeah, that like, but he's I just kind of like, get yeah. it but instead he's like great dancing great. honey you're adorable <laughs> like, honestly though so it's like i don't know it's weird it's, it's cute and i liked them and i didn't want them to get hurt <laughs> right well yeah we're supposed to be like wow these people are acting so weird but i'm like they seem to be having a fun t- i don't they're not hurting anybody like <laughs> so anyway they wander off into the woods to have right. sex together but it, before they go dane is like um hey jules do you want to lie down like so, which kind of gives us a clue like jules is acting weird mm-hmm. um, and i she- think dana's comment is supposed to imply like jules you are too drunk to be wandering off in the woods with yeah. your boyfriend right um but, but jules is like that's the idea ha ha bye um and y- yeah goes off. clearly worthy of getting killed Obviously. clearly um so then How dare she so this is the scene where marty pulls um dana aside and is like don't you think everyone's acting so weird yeah because like because jules acting like a celebutard and um and he's really weirded out that kurt called holden an egghead i'm like is that really- <laughs> is that like a really mean thing to say i've never heard anybody call anyone an egghead so i guess that would weird me yeah out. maybe it's it maybe it means that it was just weird to hear him say that but <laughs> i mean it, i agree you can interpret it as like that that was very offensive. <laughs> was it? Is it? Does is egghead like a, a racist term that I'm not familiar with? I don't think right so. <laughs> Tell yeah, me. maybe it was like a really like subtle um I what's don't that know. science where they analyze skulls or whatever? Oh maybe. I don't know. I, so. re- I don't really <laughs> think that, Maddie. I was really reaching. <laughs> I don't think it was anything. But it's a weird, like, it's, is it supposed to be Marty being really smart about stuff? And he's like, he called him an egghead. Like, that's not what I'm concerned about right now. Uh, whatever. I'm but he concerned also said, about them running around in the woods in the dark. I mean, that doesn't seem super safe. But right. I'd be, not yeah, worthy I'd be like, of being killed over. Yeah, whatever. So, and um, Dana's like, everyone's just kind of drunk. It's whatever. Like, chill out, Marty. Yeah. And then she goes and sort of has a flirtation-ish thing with yeah. Holden. Yeah. And Holden, um, this is where he's like, I can read Latin. <laughs> like, like, all cool. of a sudden, Holden becomes smart, which he never has been before. Right. So I thought this was kind of weird. Like Thrown in. Yeah. I thought maybe this was part of it. Like, now all of a sudden, Holden is smart, and he wasn't before, mm. whereas all of a sudden, Kurt is not smart. Because they needed... But people was. to fill those oh that's but interesting again this is not something that the movie tells you so right. i don't know and they're all in the same cabin that's getting like juices pumped into it unless they're like, like pumping are stuff there into smart rooms. juices because holden says he looks at the the latin that they read and he translates it for her right and she's like really impressed she's like you know latin and he's like well i took it in 10th grade weird how this stuff comes back to you and oh. so i was like oh so is it magically coming back to him but there's no drug that does that <laughs> You know? No, there's the limitless drug. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that makes you smart. Again, the internal logic of this movie, yeah. like, I had to ignore it because yeah. it can't, there's nothing to but it. But that frustrates me. It gets me frustrated. So anyway, so, Same. yeah, so they have, like, a little flirtation. They're like, oh, we're both hot. <laughs> we're both uh. so beautiful. And this is when she, she almost starts to say, I've never had sex before, and then sort of has a moment of breaking the fourth wall kind of and correcting herself and she's like wait a minute yes i have yeah well she's like i don't mean never like yeah, yeah. and i think that's one of those jarring moments where she's like wait why am i saying this right because she's like falling into a role yes exactly but, what, but it's not a role she really fits yeah i don't know <laughs> she, it's just like brainwashing where so, suddenly she thinks she's a virgin but she's not yeah but what would you... 
<laughs> I there's don't know. no real world explanation for that i would be much happier if they were like we did spells and that's that <laughs> i'm bradley whitford the wizard and i did a magical spell listen i know a couple spells and we do honestly them. i would have been fine with that right if they had if they had been in an office and just been like yeah we do magic here but like still done the office shit yeah as opposed to trying to have Lynn be like, yeah. I'm a chemist. Like, just have it all be magical and I'll go with it. Don't yeah. try to do sci-fi shit and then have it not make sense. Or a combination of both and then hand wave the stuff that's in between. Yeah, by having Bradley Whitford like rifling through a spell book and being like, you know, sometimes we got to fudge the numbers. <laughs> ha ha. Like, I don't know. Give me something. Yeah. I... No, I'm with you. I, I hear you. Um... <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, Chris Hemsworth is yeah. about to get it on in the woods. Yeah, or Jules trying and to. Kurt, um, they're like, they're, there's like a scene where they're like making out, things are getting hot and heavy, but Jules keeps being like, no, it's too cold. So then they like turn up the temperature. Bradley Whitford is like, can we turn up the heat in that right. sector? Right. And when I think <laughs> at one point, everyone is, there's a whole crowd of dudes watching. Yes. That's, this is the scene. And he clears, um, he clears the dudes out and is like, get out of here. Get out. That um, was the part that I think is supposed to be about the, the audience, audience because there's yeah. a moment where Jules is like sort of in a sexy position and we see all these guys at the office yeah. watching her. Yeah. And I think that's maybe supposed to be a condemnation of the audience, but it doesn't oh, yeah. come down hard enough, really. I, I, yeah, I think it's like a half-hearted, like, look, you're just like these dudes. You love sex. Bleh. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't Because then Bradley was just like, get out of here with your human, like, needs or something. It's like a weird <laughs> line. Um, it is a weird line. Uh, so then, they, but then they like the way they have to get her to take her shirt off and show her yes. breasts. Um, yeah, and so they like turn like the they moonlight pipe in up. Pheromones. They, put, they pour out pheromones. Beautiful mossy green. Yeah, and she also, lies down. Like and... as if you would like it's, it's Chris Hemsworth. Like you don't. I need, know you don't <laughs> like, need anything. Give me a couple <laughs> sticks and a lamp, and you know. <laughs> what are the sticks for? <laughs> for the bedding? <laughs> oh, okay. No, for the weird stuff we get up to. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking of any weird stick-based stuff, okay? Or lamp-based stuff. <laughs> no, because oh, I was saying like they put they they had to put the moss and they had to do no, the moonlight. No, I know, I know. So this I girl, said sticks this, and a lamp. This girl needs a lot to get her shirt off for Chris Hemsworth, right. which is very unrealistic. Whereas I only need sticks and a lamp, okay? I get it. I'm on board, and I agree. <laughs> I agree with you. Okay. I don't know that I even need the sticks and the lamp, to be honest. <laughs> You're just a black pit. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Just a dump. Hemsworth is his own light. So anyway, they <laughs> they get it on. She finally takes off her shirt, and yeah, then we see her breasts. And then they're like, a yes. zombie pops out, yeah, and stabs Chris Hemsworth in the neck, yeah. and like throws this big metal clampy do. Yeah, they have, this, they have one of the zombies has a bear trap on a I chain. I think it's the dad that has yeah, that. Yeah, he's got a bear dad. trap on a chain and he swings the chain around and then throws the bear trap and the bear trap closes around people's backs so he can drag them. It's pretty nasty. It is. It's, it's kind of a cool scary. Prop. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a cool prop. So he gets um, Jules and starts dragging Jules and she's like screaming. Yeah, I mean, now we're firmly in horror movie territory. Right. Chris Hemsworth takes the knife out of his neck. He's trying to hunt the guy down. It's yeah. too late. Jules gets killed. She gets her head. They line her up and saw her head off. We don't see her. We just see the spurt of blood. But yeah, it's gross. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so then um, meanwhile, uh, so we go back to the office like squad 
mm-hmm. they say like a, a prayer, like a sacrificial prayer. Yeah. Like we offer this to you and blah, blah, blah. And then they kiss like a necklace the great on their ones yeah. or something. And yeah. Then Bra- and then Bradley Whitford goes over to the wall and he pulls a lever. Mm-hmm. And then we see some blood going through some gears and sort of pooling in this glass pool that's like somewhere underground in this yeah. stone. Into like these, into some design. Yeah. We don't see the whole stone ritual cave yet, but it's. Like, oh, something's going on here. There's like a larger human sacrifice at work here. So then it goes back to Marty in his room and a voice tells him to go outside. It's like the same whispery voice. (laughs) He's like, go go for a walk. Yeah. Um, And And then he has this monologue where he's like, I'm a master of my own brain. And then he concludes it by saying, I'm going to go for a walk. And it's like supposed to be funny because it's like he thinks he has control. I didn't laugh at it. Yeah. I was like, uh, I got that. I I did laugh. laugh. So he's walking out of the cabin and he walks past uh, Holden and Dana. And -hmm. they're like, they're, I think they're kissing. And uh, he walks by and he goes, he's got a husband's bulge and walks away. I laughed yeah, at that. That was like fair. one of the three lines I laughed at. There were two lines I laughed at and I will say what they were when we get to them. Okay. That was one of mine. I was like, ha, huh, boners. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'll always, yeah, I always like a good boner joke. So then Marty gets outside and he's like, he's like standing hmm. in front of the house. And in the background, this is kind of a cool shot. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, It's a long shot. And we see in the background, the girl patience. And mm-hmm. we see she's wearing like a white dress and she's coming out of the woods and she's like really far away, but we can see her movement. And we just see Marty in the foreground, like monologuing to himself. Yeah. Well, then he starts to pee. Uh, and he looks behind himself like once, and but she she's hides. out of sight. Yeah, yeah. And but then, then we and see then like she that comes white back blur. out again. Yeah, it's very it's good. Neat. It is good because it's spooky, and there's like a nice long build up to her yeah. eventually reaching him. And then uh, when we think she's like gonna get him, we instead get uh, Kurt running out of the woods. He and he topples over Marty and says like, "Run, get inside!" And yeah, we see like, and as they're running away, he sees patience, patience. and she's crawling on the ground and she's like clearly a zombie and And, dead yeah right (laughs) and and so now you know both kurt and marty have seen zombies and understand zombies are real so they run in the house and close the door yeah and kurt is like covered in blood yeah because he got hit like in the back like close to his neck not like right mm -hmm. at his neck but close yeah Um, but like he was hit with that knife before but he's still alive so and so dana and holden and dana are like like, shocked to see kurt covered in blood yeah and kurt is like I don't remember how quickly he tells them that it's zombies, but like pretty soon. And he tells them that Jules, um, is, Jules dead. is dead. Yeah. And everybody's and Dana, like, Dana freaks out. And she's like, no, we're not leaving without Jules and tries to open the door. And the huge guy is standing outside the door. And I think he has Jules's head, yeah. right? He throws Jules's head to Dana, who catches it, realizes it's Jules's head and then screams, screams, throws it. Throws it. Yeah. And then they try to close the door on the huge guy. Again, classic horror movie tropes. The guy's hand is in the door yeah. stopping. I mean, it's but like But then Dana all... comes and j- jumps in, like, m- like moves her shoulder in the door and they're able to like, try to close. So yeah. then Kurt immediately is like, all right, we barricade all the the um, exits. We barricade all the windows. No matter what, we stay together. Everyone mm-hmm. keeps eyes on each other, blah, blah, blah. And Marty's like, yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. And then Chris Hemsworth like, <laughs> well, and walks Bradley into for- another room. <laughs> yeah. then- well, we go back to Bradley and Richard Jenkins first. And they're like, damn it. And Richard Jenkins is like, don't even worry about it. I got this. And he like hits a button or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so when Kurt goes into another room, we see like some kind of fog come out the vent. And as yeah. soon as he walks by the vent, 
And he's like, no, this is not right. We should split up. And, and I'm I, like, I did laugh at this I'm because like, it's so dumb. And I don't know why I thought this juice was funny. makes somebody oh, want to split up. It's so, it takes. I really liked Chris Hemsworth's delivery of that line, funny. though. Because funny. he just looks so dumb. And he's like, we should split up. And I was like, yeah. It, like the horror movie <laughs> moment when somebody says we should split up is yeah. always so dumb. Right. I mean, I enjoyed this movie for the reason you're supposed to enjoy it, which right. is like, I but enjoyed I like, seeing that acknowledged. Yeah, but I feel like it doesn't go beyond that joke. It's like it a doesn't. one note joke. It doesn't. Joke. You're right. Yeah. It, I mean, how many times is that joke funny? Because they're right. going to keep telling it, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, I feel but like. But anyway, so Marty's like, what? And of course they do split up. They right. all individually go and try to barricade their rooms. Right. Um, um, Marty goes to his room and he finds dun 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 a, a microphone camera. a camera oh, yeah. yeah both I guess yes. it's like a really tiny microphone camera right and his he's lamp. like what yeah uh, and finds like he pull, he's pulling the wiring he's out pulling he's pulling like, it it's like all it. in the wall and he's like what the fuck and we think he's gonna maybe figure something out right and but the he squad doesn't quite. back at the office is like, oh, God, uh-oh. And he's like, don't even worry. Like, at first, they're going to send chemicals out. I forget. They specifically say, like, some kind of sedative or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're like, just knock him out. He won't remember anything. Right. And then I think... Um, they're like, don't worry about Judah it. Judah Buckner's going to come up and kill him, so it's right. fine. Right. And which... But first, there's the only other line I laughed at, which <laughs> is that Marty says, I think I'm on reality TV. My parents are going to think I'm such a burnout. And for some reason, that also made me laugh. That's I had like five minutes of this movie where I was willing to laugh at it. <laughs> and no more. I'd see. That's more refined than a boner joke. So you're winning. I don't know. Anyway, then <laughs> Judah Buckner shows up and because well, Marty's like leaning against the window. the window, yeah, and of course, Idiot. yeah, of course, yeah. The guy Buckner grabs calls, him, yeah, and he, I think he, he gets like a the hook mm-hmm. in him, or is he the one with the chain? I think he he has a chain, and his big dad has a chain also. His but Judah's dad. like a smaller guy, yeah, and he's dragging he's Marty a, yeah. off through the woods, and, and you hear like, Marty screams, and you see like blood spurt, but then yeah, that's it. and then we don't see Marty's death, but, but they Bradley Whitford. Lever. seems to think that he's dead so yeah. he pulls the fool lever but this time when they pull the lever there's all this weird shaking yeah and and stuff that happens and so it's like huh maybe something didn't go quite right but they here. say i hope oh, the, the, they're getting excited or something like that yeah but i thought that was a sign that maybe like something was off i mean having seen this movie twice i yeah. knew why but right. yeah yeah um but then back at the cat so the cabin's shaking too and mm-hmm. so, so that kind of, that's our first like location clue that these places are like right there. Um, yeah. Yeah. That like one might be underground mm, of the other one. Yes. Mm. So then, um, there's like a whole scene where Dana, there's another Buckner at her window, like trying to get in and she's pushed up a wardrobe against it, but they're like getting in. Um, and so Holden smashes through the two way glass or the, the one way mirror and pulls her through and then realizes there's another entrance to the cellar. Um, yeah, and there's... like a separate half of the cellar, basically. Right. And so he pulls her down into the cellar and they tell Kurt to meet them in the cellar to go down because mm-hmm. they can't like, let him through. He goes down the other cellar door and tries to like break through the other way and stuff. Right. But... Um, and so they see and this is they find like the black room that they talked yeah, about. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's like full of weapons and chains right. and more bear traps. And like things. a table where they tortured people, I guess. And she's like, mm-hmm. this is where they're going to kill us. And Holden's like, no, girl. Looking at my beautiful eyes, and, I, and I'll tell you, you we're going to be fine. Uh, and, then, and then the zombie comes in and tries to kill Holden. Yeah. And Dana uses her 
final girl powers for a second and stabs him with a metal thingy and then stabs him with some other stuff because there's a bunch of weapons around so she's able to use waifu to fight back exactly and and her love for holden i guess yeah and they kind of get out of it and the dude is like pinned to the wall by these various weapons that that dana has thrown right so dana gets like a cool like hero moment but then they they do an electric shock to the knife somehow um, like the office people and so she yeah. drops the weapon because there's like that whole horror movie thing where like they always drop the weapon like when they shouldn't <laughs> yeah. um, so I guess that I, at least I can at least accept that like I don't think I guess so yeah you know whatever so she and then Chris Hemsworth burst through a secret door that they couldn't find previously and yeah. he's like I found you guys <laughs> let's get out of here <laughs> yeah um, so they run out to the RV Yes. Meanwhile, back at HQ, the office, we see this little video of all these elementary school Japanese girls. Yeah, and it says it's like in taking place in Kyoto or something. Yeah. Like it says it's in and some they're like town singing a song around this goat, this like grudge-looking ghost. Well, and we like, saw the grudge-looking ghost previously. Yeah, we, and like we've a, seen flashbacks before to like Japan, the Japan office, and they're doing a Japanese horror movie right. simulation, and like these schoolgirls are being attacked by this girl who looks like she'd be from the ring the original ringu or yeah. like the grudge or like any of these other One movies that are classic japanese horror movies yeah. um but these girls these little school girls have figured out how to defeat the ghost by singing a song about like it's friendship so or something and then they turn the ghost into a frog and it's like the cutest thing they all cheer and celebrate uh, and there, I, and it's kind of funny. And like, Amy Acker is like, not a single fatality. We're so <laughs> fucked. Yeah. And, like, well, and there's like a funny thing where Richard Jenkins is pointing at each individual school child being, fuck you, fuck you. And it's like a little <laughs> funny. I laughed at that. It is a little funny, yeah. yeah. But Japan has failed. Japan has yes. failed to kill anybody. Uh, and because, so we, because these little girls weren't sacrificed, that is indicative of like a problem right. for these, these people. <laughs> and so we're, we get that everything is hinging on... Uh, this American horror movie going yeah, right. Yeah, because every other team has not managed to kill anybody. Right, and we get, like, we. this is another, like, horror movie thing. We get, like, we see um, the other countries, and it's, like, um, one of them's, like, The Thing... One of them yeah. is like a Godzilla or, you know, it's, it's yeah, like, like that. we see some quick flashes of like other stuff that's happening, but, yeah. but it's, it's weird though. I mean, this is why I have to assume that this movie takes place in like a speculative fiction version of like another world because like none of these things happen in real life. It just has to be a metaphor for horror movies, you know, like yeah. it, it can't be anything other than that. Right, right. Yeah. Like there's no it's not like we all know how five <laughs> kids go to a cabin in real life and this happens. Right. Like that that only happens in a movie. Here's an example of a of a better version of this. Um have you seen the uh ha- have you seen American Gods at all? Yeah, I have. I love it. It's so good. I've, I've recently finished all of the first season. Oh good, oh good. So you know that one episode where they go see um I forget what the god's name is, but he runs that factory. Yes. And he and yes. they're like, oh, there's like one death from lack of regulations every year. But that's basically his sacrifice. Right. Um, and yeah. that makes sense because it's like a sacrifice to the gears of, of capital 
um, yeah. is what and we in do that, in it's the like real world. He's a weapon god, and so they're sacrificing themselves to make the weapons, essentially. Right. But there is a, there is an illusion to something that actually happens, which is we accept like safety lack of safety regulations in, in factories yeah in order to pursue capitalism. profit right yeah 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 absolutely and so there's a clear line from fictional world to real world and it has that extra kind of moral weight to it whereas absolutely. in this in cabin in the woods that doesn't really there, it you doesn't can't quite work for me because i'm kind of like are we making a statement about how these sorts of sacrifices in horror movies are disturbing but cathartic to us i think like, that is are we i think that's what it's trying gods to say that are being pleased yes i think that's what it's trying i think we are the old gods the um the whole office is like the movie making industry and, yeah, yeah, and, the, yeah. and like we're demanding blood and sex and sacrifice and we demand that whores be punished and like that's right. what we want as right. people and like i don't know if it really it, i mean we'll that's get to my, it but... that's my reaction too i'm like <laughs> i don't know i mean this is why i don't like funny games i don't like somebody turning the screen and be like you little bitch you stupid idiot you like, love it because yeah. i'm usually like i didn't love this i wasn't like, happy Actually, I, I didn't enjoy what was and, happening right. right and i and there i do maybe like, we're not voyeuristic enough you yeah, know? I mean, I don't, I don't like, I don't like or necessarily get the love for like saw esque horror, um, hmm. where there is like that level of sadism. But maybe I, this is why you didn't like Zodiac enough. <laughs> yeah. So there was actually, I mean. I, you're totally taking me. Don't bring up a movie. <laughs> and not... Mary Ellen watched Zodiac like last yesterday. night. Yeah, yeah, I watched it last night. And anyway, I, but the the kill the the murder scenes in that movie were like like they fucked me up a little bit. They were really messed up. Mm, so I'm they sorry. were effective. No, not like they fucked me up like the wars, but like <laughs> yeah, like all the wars you've been in. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Anyway, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's I... not. I, I'm saying it's not as if they fucked me up, as if I'm a veteran speaking of wars he's been in. That's what I was <laughs> trying to say. Well, okay. I'm glad you weren't that saying just that because it would have been really inaccurate if it you had been. been really inappropriate as a comparison. yeah. I mean, it would have been a lie. Well, that's so why it's hyperbole. Really glad that's that how hyperbole functions that. as a humor device, Maddie. Great. <laughs> I don't know how we got on this. All right. So anyway, the movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So <clears throat> they're in the RV. They're th- three yeah. characters are about to escape and shit is fucked. The office is freaking out because, because they, this is not supposed to happen. They're not supposed to be getting to the RV. No, this they quickly. can get in the RV, but the tunnel hasn't collapsed yet. Yeah. Because and nobody gave the command. Right. They were it was supposed, supposed to. to demolition. was supposed to collapse the tunnel like hours ago. But they mm-hmm. didn't, and they don't know why. And so there's a freak out because they just learned that Japan failed. And so, like, this is big. Because if mm-hmm. they leave, we, we kind of concluded that outside the tunnel is, like, outside their influence because we saw the wall. Right. Um, and so Richard Jenkins runs up to demolition, and it's, like, a tense scene. Um, but they're, like, in their RV, and they're trying to get out. And he, Richard Jenkins makes it up to... Um, to demolition we see all the wires have been kind of like fucked with up there uh and so he gets like some like pair of wires and and puts them up to each other and it sets off the demolition while they're in the tunnel but like right ahead of them yeah and they chris hemsworth has to suddenly put the rv in reverse and like terrifyingly back out of the tunnel just in time right and then they're stuck back where they were right and so and there's this really deep ravine but they can like see just across the way 
to uh, the rest of the world right. to safety and so they can get over there right so they're and like they frustrated. have chris hemsworth's motorcycle i guess it's in the rv still yeah i, I think know. you see it like it's it's on the back of the rv it's like hooked yeah, up yeah yeah um, and um so they come up with a plan that chris hemsworth is going to use the motorcycle to jump across the ravine and mm-hmm. make it to safety and then he'll get help and come back for everybody which yeah. and i have, don't know if that would really work if he could even do it but it's right. a you know it seems plausible and they have holden like go look and he's like you've done jumps bigger than this man because they're like friends and he's like you have this much clearance and that side blah blah and chris mm-hmm. hemsworth is like if i if i like get hurt if i don't you know if i um fall after landing i'll limp away i don't care i'll get us help blah blah and he has like a big hero speech yeah yeah he has a great hero moment here yeah and he's like i'll i'll get you help but we're, we're doing it for jewels yeah. Um, and Dana like, gives him a kiss on the cheek and is like really moved by that. Oh, and plus by now they've realized Marty is dead because they can't find him. And so they assume him. To yeah. Be dead like Kurt well. gets a line like they got Marty or something. Yeah. Yeah. So their emotions are high. Yeah. And so they're so he get, goes back. He like backs up on the motorcycle and he goes up and he jumps off. And, and it looks like he's going to make it. And then he hits that invisible wall. Guys. Yeah, he and does. Clatters down Brutally. this electrically charged wall. Yeah. That is just like an absurd thing for them to suddenly witness this invisible, like electric, right? Which webbing. he keeps hitting up against as he falls yeah. down, just like boom, and like boom. dramatically dies at yeah. the bottom of this like miles deep ravine that right. we see him fall all the way down. I yeah. mean, it looks—it's an incredible shot. It's like pretty, the effects like, in the movie are it's good. It's kind of funny too, like the juxtaposition. It is. Of the it's hero funny, speech. but it's yeah. like also mind-blowing because you're like, oh, this is when our heroes are going to figure out this is like a sci-fi, right? Because they're like, holy, because they've just watched their friend die, but they're also like, oh my God, an invisible giant wall. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And Dana does figure it out, but Holden goes into deep denial in response to this. Right. Because Holden's like, Holden gets him back in the RV and and she's like, you're driving us back. And he's like, we just got to go. We got to go through. We're going to go the other way. He's like, we're just going to find another road. And she's like... They'll, are we just like, not going to talk about that wall that we just right. saw? Well, she's like, they'll just block that off, too. There's there's, yeah, there's she, no way they're going to let us out. And he's like, don't lose your mind on me, man. And, and yeah, like Holden says that to her. And she's like, OK, I yeah, won't. But it's also thinks, like clearly Holden has lost his mind. Right. He thinks she's like going crazy, but he's actually trying to rationalize like the insane shit they're seeing. Yeah. And yeah. like ignore the parts that are improbable. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a zombie stabs Holden in the neck from behind. Yeah. And he's dead. He's, he's dead, Zo. He's dead. And when because Holden was driving, they go into a body of water, I guess. Yeah, the they lake. go into the lake. Yeah. And um, which I'm, I'm, I can accept the zombie suddenly popping up because that's horror movie rules. Like, oh, yeah. That happens. I can accept the zombie having been sitting in the RV and waiting for the dramatic reveal that that's entire true. time. That seems like something those zombies would do. They're all about dramatic pacing. A zombie or a Batman, maybe? Oh, yeah. It was actually Batman. <laughs> really suddenly weird. Batman Bat stabs Holden. Yeah. Uh, he just took the elevator up. He was yeah. just like, hey, guys, uh, I'm in this movie I now. wish they could have afforded the rights to, like, Batman. That would have been oh, funny. like, he's just, like, in one of the... <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Anyway. Just, like, it's not explained. Right. Anyway. So then there's a big dramatic... Um, scene where Dana has to get out of the sinking RV that this, has a zombie in the it zombie and she's getting her out leg she, just yeah. as she gets at the it's door it's scary it's good right. it's, it's good pacing and she has to swim a long way up so she's like holding her breath and it's tense she gets to the dock right but then it cuts back to office HQ and everyone's like woo 
Woo! Tequila party! Woo! Yeah, they're, um, but they're Bradley, flipping out with happiness because right. everybody's dead except for the girl, the, the final girl. And Bradley Whitford gets a funny line where he's like, "God, you know," he's watching her on screen and 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 so, like he's like, "Oh, like well, she." This like, line annoyed me. I'm laughing that you thought it was funny. I was so annoyed by it. I'm I just sorry. I thought his acting was funny where he's like, "God, you know, you, you almost like want her to win. Like she just works so hard and all the pain she's facing. Tequila, like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it bugged me. I guess I just was like, it's obvious. I get it. It's I don't obvious. Know. Yeah, it is obvious. But it's I don't know. I thought it was. I just like Bradley Whitford. I think that's fine. He does do a great job yeah. in this. Shout um, out. He's, so anyway, he's, yeah. she's on the. It, it's kind of a cool juxtaposition because we see. Yeah, I like this. She's scene. on the dock fighting and for her fucking life, fighting for her life, and the huge guy catches up to her and yeah. he's on the dock and he's got his huge chain and he's trying to kill her and we can see her fighting on the screen in the background while like, everybody's partying in the right. foreground of so the everyone's office chatting the intern's trying to like hit on a lady they're mm-hmm. having just like office talk and they're like oh thank god we did it well because the, yeah. rule, the rules state that that she can live or die yeah the um, final girl can yeah. live or die yeah and it's fine and so they're they've pulled off the levers as far as they know everything's right. okay and but then all of a sudden this red phone starts ringing and everyone freaks out Everyone goes silent. Bradley Whitford's like, turn, turn off the, the music. Turn the music off, yeah. And he, he walks over to We don't to hear phone. the voice on the other side of the phone. No, we don't. We never do. But they keep talking about the people upstairs and the people downstairs. Yeah. Um, and this is the people upstairs. And there's some kind of communication. And basically, we learn that one of them is still alive. Mm-hmm. And as we learn this, he's like, which one? Um, Marty appears. We go back to the dock. Marty's yeah. there with his with his telescopic bong. Right. And so he <laughs> catches there. the ch- chain with his bong. And which one? <laughs> which is kind of, it's good. Yeah. I, liked, I liked the moments when Marty like used the bong to fight zombies because right. I'm actually really basic and I just <laughs> enjoy a bong being there. <laughs> yeah. At one point, before he like hit a zombie with the bong and now he's yeah, using yeah. it for the chain. Um, it, it wouldn't work. I mean, it's probably just like plastic. Right. But so. And not, they overpower you know? the chain zombie guy and run off. And Marty's like, follow me. And he leads Dana into one of the... Um, the grave. Patience's grave. Yeah, into the grave. There's like a little door. And she's like, what? Why are you taking me into a grave? And he's like, trust me. And there's a door. Yeah. And they get down into this like weird little room. And yeah. there's like a zombie body on the ground that's, that's been, been completely chopped taken pieces. apart. Yeah. And he's like, and I, had to, I had to chop him up into pieces with a trowel. Yeah, and it was um, Judah, the guy who kidnapped him or tried to. And there's yeah. like an electronic panel on the wall yeah. that Marty's been fucking around with. Yeah. And he's kind of like, I don't know much about what's going on, but I do know something. And it's that this connects to an elevator. And right. he shows her that it opens up this super clean corporate looking elevator. Yeah. And I think this is one we're supposed to infer that Marty was the one who fucked with the demolition. Oh. Huh. <laughs> Really? I, yeah, because they didn't know why the why the signal was lost, and I think he's the one that because he fucked with the electrical stuff. I don't know if that's clear enough because like later the demolition guys are like, "You never gave us the order." But it, they did. It just never got to them because he he cut the communication between those teams. Oh, and so I if it wasn't that. Marty, who would it be? No, you're right. I just didn't care. Well, about I, I think. That well, I think it wasn't. Like it wasn't super clear, but it was like you kind of had to like infer. But yeah, no, you're you're probably right. That's I know. Cool, I guess that like there's something subtle about this movie that I didn't notice. There you originally. go. Um, but yeah, great movie. A plus. <laughs> A plus. C plus. So then, yeah. So he reveals to her the elevator, and they're like, "I guess we'll take this elevator down." 
We got one. Well, yeah. And he's like, they somebody sent those things up here to fucking kill us. Yeah. Um, and so they're like getting like mad. Like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understandable. And Dana tells um, Marty that everyone else is dead. So, yeah. Which is sad. And um, he was like, I figured. Yeah. Um, so they get in the elevator together. They go mm-hmm. around. There's this weird scene where like, the weird. elevator goes by all these other glass Cubes. boxes. Yeah. And every glass cube also has a monster from horror movie lore inside of it. Or like a knockoff. Like there's a Hellraiser knockoff. Yeah, well, they're all knockoffs, really. I mean, they don't have the rights to any of the real ones, but there's like a ghost. And there's like the ballerina. Yeah, they don't actually have Batman. (laughs) It's too bad, The ultimate villain. (laughs) He is. Kind of. The ultimate villain is capitalism and Batman. Mm. They have have capitalism in a cube. They have capitalism in there. (laughs) It's like the Monopoly guy, like, hey. (laughs) That would be great. Can you imagine? (laughs) Commentary. Gotta have that commentary in there. They Um, got him in there. They have a ballerina with, like, like teeth for a face. No, she doesn't have face. Yeah, she just has teeth. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know what she's supposed to be from. Just a creepy thing. I don't know. She's just a creepy. And they have, like, a ghost thing. Yeah. Yeah. and like other zombies and stuff there's all kinds there's of werewolf. monsters yes yeah. yeah so they're cubing around in this yeah. cube and, and we see a wide shot of all the cubes cubing but before around. that they're like dana is is like staring into fake hellraiser's eyes for right, some reason right. and she gets a scene where <laughs> she, she gets like weirdly connected to fake hellraiser <laughs> yeah. for like he's just like minute. staring back and he's like holding his little sphere yeah. and being like, "Hey, I'm Hellraiser, oh, but not really." <laughs> she sees he's holding the puzzle. That yes, and she Kurt recognizes had. it. Right. Yeah, and so she's like, "Oh my god, all those items in the cellar—they had us choose. They had us choose what would kill us." Mm-hmm. Um, and she and starts, then she like, starts like screaming. flipping out and beating on the wall at Hellraiser, and, and it's Hellraiser like, just watches. you don't want to break that wall yeah. and like interact with him. Like it's not gonna go. He well. seems nice. He, I just, I didn't really get it. Like, I understood her being angry in that moment, yeah. but I, it was just strange that she was she like, starts, doing like, that with screaming. all of standing right there. <laughs> the like, creepy. Was, yeah. It was strange. But yeah. anyway, so they they keep cubing around. And as that, yeah. as the shot pans out, we see like a bajillion other monsters in each of yeah. these little cubes. Like a spider and stuff. I think in the office, they start freaking out because they realize yes, that they realize that they've made it into the Dana office. Dana and Marty are in a cube and they're looking at all the cubes yes. and trying to find them. You're right. And um, they're just, like, going through every number in the cube. And, and eventually they, find, they them. find them. And they're like, okay, they're in, like, 3606. Okay. Send it down. Send them down. And they send them down. And they, like, pipe in a sort of a woman's voice starts speaking to them. Not yet. And she's like, okay. Not yet. The door's open. Remember. And one security guy, like, dressed in all black comes in. And he's like. Yes, you're He's right. like, step away. Because they keep on the announcements in, like, the office. They're like, he has to die first. Don't touch the girl. Yes. Like, kill Marty. Because the long rules as you kill are, Marty first. They, he has yeah. to die before her. Yes. Or else, or else it's, it's all, all fucked up. up. Um, and so there, he's like, st- he's like, just the girl. Come out here. And the, she's like, just me. What? Meanwhile, the zombie arm is still in the elevator, like a piece yeah. of the zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it grabs just... the guy's leg and the guy and shoots it. They're able to overcome him because he's no longer pointing the gun at them. And they get the gun. Right. And they the kill knife him. that the zombie arm had and they kill him. Yeah. yeah. By knocking his head back against the or wall. Or I don't basically. know that he dies. He gets knocked out at least. At least. Yeah. Um. So then um, they come Marty out. Marty has lobby. a gun and Dana has a knife. And this is when the, the woman's voice goes. Yes. And she's like, hey, what's up? 
I realize you're both probably <laughs> hey. really freaked out right now. Not that nice, but though. She's like, hello. Listen, we just... I understand we, you're we confused. Do this, we do this ritual sacrifice yeah. thing here. You're an important part. You're and- an important part of it, and you have to die in order to satisfy these, these ancient beings. Yeah. And you just gotta go with it for yeah. the safety of the world. Yeah. And... That's just how it has to be. And meanwhile, we're seeing like essentially SWAT team looking guys coming around these corners, like right. coming up on Dana and Marty. And we're like, oh, shit, like right. these military guys are going to kill them. Yeah. Um, so then Dana and Marty, they hear people approaching double back and go to this like glass, um, like uh, this yeah, window like office. office that's, yeah. That seems like almost like a reception area. Yeah. But it's supposed to control it's, like, the somebody's elevators. Somebody's just like chilling there and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, there's no one in it right now, probably because the whole floor has been evacuated. Right. But they're, they hide in there because the soldiers start shooting at them, which seems stupid mm-hmm. because they don't know if they're going to hit. What's yeah, they face? don't know the glass is bulletproof. They don't. Too, know, well, but they don't is, know the glass luckily. is bulletproof. They also they could hit Dana very easily. No, they're I both know. In there. They're mega dumb. These soldiers dumb. are not good at their jobs, and they're all about to die because Dana Finds inside a this big booth, red button. Yeah, that's his purge on it. Yeah, I was like, okay, I guess it makes sense that a button like that would exist here, but does it? It'd be funny if it just let out the movie The Purge. <laughs> it does essentially, but also yeah. every other movie. Yes, um, it lets so out every single button, monster. It lets out literally every monster. Yeah. There's no way they would have a button like that, but whatever. Yeah, and all the monsters come out, and they're keeping like elevator dings and it's like kind of funny that like the elevators open and then like you know 10 monsters come out of 10 elevators and, and then the everybody. elevators close and then the elevator dings again and like 10 more monsters come yeah. out and it, that lasts like 15 minutes yeah. and we see each monster from each of these like knockoff horror movies coming out and there's like right. a ring girl and like you know a sea monster mm-hmm. and a, a unicorn, giant snake a snake a bat thing a clown yeah, like the clown it. from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like there's um the that movie with Liv Tyler where the people wear masks. Yes, there's like those yeah. motherfuckers, like a knockoff <laughs> of those. Um, yeah, there's like every uh, the whole gang's there. Um, yeah, Hellraiser <laughs> knockoff gets out and is like torturing. Yeah, people. Yeah, he's making shit happen. Um, <laughs> he's he's walking around with his blades. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but everyone is like freaking out because like they get past the waves of soldiers because they like fucking kill them all. The whole elevator like lobby becomes just like blood. covered in blood. Uh, and then they get past like those people and just start attacking like all the office people we've been seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so all s- the office people die and i think yeah. this is when the movie starts to feel cathartic for me at least because by now i'm like fuck these office people right and like, i think you're supposed to because they're so blasé about like inflicting pain on people right that, like you know they're supposed that to you kind of want them to die and yeah. so but it's it's also like a very gory scene where you like see all these people dying and yeah. meanwhile like bradley whitford and amy acker and richard what's his are face are all out. in this room where they have like this metal door like they're they're relatively high up i guess so they have this like more protection like they're further away from all of this so they're watching on these screens that the monsters are coming right and they're upset but like for the moment they're safe but they're not gonna be safe for long yeah and they start hearing banging on the metal door and it's not looking good um and then like meanwhile we cut back i guess truman dies at some point we don't even see that happen no we do truman does die um so a bunch of like zombie type guys some something that eats people they start like digging into his like stomach and pulling out intestines and he um has a bomb on him like a grenade and pulls the grenade and blows up 
Wow. Yeah. I just, I'm just like, I feel like it's a missed opportunity for this movie to make any commentary on race when they just kind of kill the black characters and like right. don't really make or it. Or the a black thing. and the black and the character who's like morally opposed to what's happening. Like he doesn't yeah. get to do anything it's like, about it. I feel like there's sort of an opportunity to do something with Truman that just doesn't. No, they didn't happen. do anything. I didn't even remember his death scene because it happens alongside so many Everybody other office workers' dying. deaths that yeah. I was like, did Truman even die? Like how did that? Right. Just like I feel like it would have maybe dying. made sense if he'd gotten out of it or if he'd been the character at the end who talks to them that would have been kind of neat yeah he's not he's dead hey it's maddie from the future i just wanted to add in a little aside here while we're talking about missed opportunities on the part of this movie uh after we finished this episode mary ellen and i learned that one of the many villains depicted in the facility in the various glass cubes is just some Ku Klux Klan members, like nothing special about them, just three members of the KKK just in this movie. And apparently they're also running around during this end scene with all these monsters. And considering that this movie goes out of its way, I would say, to act like racism isn't a thing in horror movies, to just have them include actual kkk members as a funny movie monster is pretty messed up so yeah we just wanted to include a mention of that as well since we didn't know about it before we recorded this that's it back to the show it goes back to marty and and dana at one point because a giant bat (laughs) yeah Um, a giant bat manages to break through the bulletproof glass there's some scary scenes here because they're hearing people die on the other side of the glass and they're like holding each other and shaking and it's like a Mm -hmm. little scary Um, it is yeah a bat smashes through the glass a giant bat smashes through and so they run out of the room and the bat just kind of like flails around and like it almost kills them but it's like falls into a wall and so yeah. like breaks through a wall and then it's like and then some zombies some come thing. out and they're trying coming towards them and, and there's so, like yeah. a grudge girl over on the other side yeah. and they're like okay so they run through the wall and disappear and they disappear for now then it goes back to up in the office so that i think that's when truman explodes and blows up and so because of that like the whole office blows up mm-hmm. um and me like richard jenkins is frantically trying to enter stuff into like this um exit safe thing and amy acker's like hurry up ah! and so after the blast there's like smoke everywhere we don't really know what's happened it's like you can't really see and bradley whitford was like thrown and so he's like kind of like shaking his head and stuff and <laughs> out right, of the smoke <laughs> comes a merman yes and the merman kills bradley whitford yes. and i think he says something like come on yeah like beforehand. you gotta be kidding me or something like that yeah it's not it's, as it's not as good as nathan's line in ex my you know he's like fucking no unreal. it's not this movie is not as good as Ex Machina, guys. <laughs> you can directly compare them. Um, it's, it's not... I mean, it's like you said. It's, like, not scary enough to be a horror movie. It's not biting enough to be a satire. Like, it just doesn't yeah. quite do it enough for me. On any one level, yeah. So yeah. It be, it's, like, a middling version of all those things. It know? is. It very much is. But it is trying to do all three of those things, so yeah. that's hard. So the merman advances on him and, and eats and his face. And, and, there, and like, blood fair, comes out his blowhole. I know it's a lot, and so and the merman is like disgusting. Looking. It's gross, yeah. And then, uh, like some kind of like dinosaur or snake thing grabs Amy Acker and pulls yeah, her and away. Yeah, she's dead, I guess. Uh, and, but Richard Jenkins finally manages to enter the right code in and jumps down, like opens the safe door and mm-hmm. jumps down 
into this hallway. And it seems like he's going to escape, but then he runs into Dana and Marty. And Dana, and stabs, Dana him. stabs him. Yeah. And this is interesting because it's like the first time we see Dana killing like maybe an innocent person, but also like he's not innocent. He's somebody who was actually orchestrating her death. Right. Exactly. And so it's kind of like validating to be like, wow, she finally killed like one of the people who was trying to kill her. Right. And as as Richard Jen- Jenkins is dying, he's like, kill him. And like yeah. Points to Marty. And he doesn't specify who, but we, the audience, know he means Marty. Right. And Dana just looks kind of scared and like weirded out. Yeah. And Marty's just like, whatever. Um, yeah. So then they go down. They keep walking and they're in this weird area now it's like that like tomb. is all stone and yeah. it looks like a church or a tomb. And we're like, oh, this has got to be that weird sacrificial dungeon that we kept seeing. Yeah. And they with, get like, the down weird there. gears and stuff. There's like a design on the floor that's like a circle shape with five points sticking out of it. And each of them points to like this big palette that has a drawing on it. Yeah. And the drawings are like, there's a dude with a sword, and that's supposed to be Chris Hemsworth. And there's like a dude with a scroll, and he's the scholar. Mm -hmm. And there's like a guy dancing with like a bell, and that's the the fool. And then there's like and a there's lady opening up her her, her robe. blanket yeah. to show her boobies, <laughs> and that's the whore. Yeah, uh, and then there's a lady like standing there looking pious, yeah, kind of, and that's and the, she's virgin. the virgin. Those are the five tropes. Yeah, and so they're looking at these, and all uh, four out of five of them have been like illuminated with blood, and the virgin hasn't been yet. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, okay, like this is supposed to be us. Like, yeah, we we were these archetypes, and they're like supposed to be having this moment that is hard to care about because we've already known all of this already yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and then Sigourney Weaver shows up and I get annoyed that they think that that's gonna make me care because this movie's not <laughs> alien and it's not even close to as good as alien is and some whatever. people would say they might say it's better than alien those people those people are wrong I'm talking in totally hypothetical terms this isn't like an internet enemy of mine <laughs> Those people can suck it. Like, say this person existed, they would be trash. Anyway, um, <laughs> Alien is a great movie. Anyway, Alien, yeah, so Alien Sigourney is great, Weaver and mostly up. Sigourney Weaver coming out here made me think. I wish I was watching Alien right <laughs> I now. I could be watching Alien at this I very moment. Wa- I could have spent the past couple hours of my life watching <laughs> Alien, a great horror movie. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm watching this. Yeah, I feel like it's it's very it's again it's one of those choices. that's like, huh, that's clever. You know, like Sigourney Weaver, I get Yeah, but mostly it just reminded me of, like, better movies I could be watching. (laughs) So she comes out and she's the director. Yeah. And Ah. she's like... Hey, Wink. so Marty has to die. I don't remember what she, she says. She explains she, them the whole thing. Like, it's long ago. But it's already been explained to us. Yeah, but she's, so, she she says there are gods yes. that that ruled the world before we did. And we've we've pacified them by giving them regular sacrifices. And the way yes. we have to sacrifice is it's to... It's always young people, she says. Oh, yeah. It's always oh, gotta like, why, be, why gotta they be kill young. Us. Yeah, and they're like, because you're young. Um, and it's always young people and, and you have to, to and we, there needed to be five of you and you need to fill these roles. It made me uncomfortable that she just literally says the whore. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are we just really calling the archetype that yeah. we're just going to go ahead and call it the whore? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, okay, little, it's lazy. Um, it's, it's and she finally gets like the virgin and Dana like looks at her and she's like, well, we work with what we got. Um, yeah. And it's like funny ish. Uh, yeah. And then it's funny ish. My take on this movie. <laughs> yeah. And so she tries to pitch. She's like, look, if Marty doesn't die, the whole world dies. Right. And uh, and everyone crumbles and the old gods come back and everyone gets killed. Mm-hmm. And so and that has to happen. So Marty, you have to die. And Marty's like, no, 
I don't, that doesn't sound good at all. Either of those things. Yeah. But then Dana kind of buys it and she points the gun at Marty. Yeah. And it looks like maybe she's going to do it. And Marty's sort of looking at her and like. Dana goes, I'm sorry, Marty. He says, I'm sorry too, because he sees there's a, a werewolf, werewolf that's coming behind up. Dana. Mm-hmm. And the werewolf attacks Dana before she can shoot mm-hmm. and like really fucks and her up. And meanwhile, Sigourney Weaver hops in and starts trying to beat the shit out of Marty. Yeah. And then Patience shows up. Patience Buckner with her axe. Which we saw comes... her emerge from the elevator last after everyone mm-hmm. else had already emerged. So she's been like walking yeah, around. So she hops, she hops on over there mm-hmm. and she flings her axe at Sigourney Weaver's head because, you know, of the scuffling and Marty manages to get Sigourney Weaver in the way of the axe and then throws the two of them over the edge down into the ravine and they die off the off the sacrificial pillar that they're all on and they die yeah i guess and then marty grabs the gun and shoots the werewolf the werewolf on top of uh dana and the werewolf like runs away mm-hmm. so then him and dana dana's like been badly injured she's covered in blood Right, and they're supposed to be doing all this stuff before midnight, by the way. They've got, like, a ticking clock, and Sigourney Sigourney Weaver told them they only had eight minutes, and by now it's probably, like, two minutes. Yeah, whatever time period they have. Yeah, and so they sit down next to each other. The gun's out of bullets, I think. They're kind of, like, done. They're just covered in blood sitting there being like, I guess the world's gonna end. Right, and and Dana's like, "Um, I'm sorry sorry I I tried to shoot you. you. And he's like, I'm sorry that I let a werewolf attack yeah, you yeah and and then ended the world and she's like yeah nah this world humans i you know i think uh, they suck and i think somebody else should get a turn now yeah and it's supposed to be it's supposed to like bring us back to like his whole like society should crumble speech marty's speech so, but it's weird because it's a tenuous connection at best i feel like i do buy it in terms of this world that we're, we're being presented. Yeah. Like, if this world is real, where people are just getting attacked by grudge ghosts every five seconds, yeah. and, like, there's these terrifying gods who need sacrifices in order to keep the world alive, then, yeah, maybe this world should just be demolished. Like, But can you imagine, like, is. everyone you've ever loved or known or anything like that being like, mm, I'm gonna die anyway, but I don't care. I want society to crumble. Like, I don't know it's if I could do that. It's tough to get on board. I mean, the first time I saw this movie, I was not that into this ending because yeah. i was like really marty like really but it's i, mean, I don't know what dude is... you could just throw yourself <laughs> right. off the edge there and then that'd be cool right because what it's supposed to be saying is like you know if if society needs to harm innocent people in order to sustain itself then the society isn't worth sustaining oh by the way folks that is the end of the movie yeah and then it and then the that whole, is the last line the and then credits crumbles. And then a hand comes up out of the ground and smashes through the cabin and mm-hmm. then like goes in front of the screen and then it's black and then it's cabin in the woods. Yeah. So like That's the, the world end. ends. The whole world ends. If you take it within its internal logic, then I think that that ending is really disturbing. And that's why the first time I saw this movie, I didn't like it. But this time I was only watching it through a metaphorical lens. And I was like, okay, so if we assume that this movie is making a statement about horror movies, then it's saying like, really, folks, is the world going to end if we don't do these tired tropes again? I guess. Yeah. But I don't feel like the movie sticks that landing either because there's no real commentary on the tropes being bad yeah. or good it just kind of presents the tropes and is like get it aren't, <laughs> it doesn't even really go so far as to say aren't these tropes bad no because it yeah it still perpetuates them and doesn't really have a commentary on them it just has a commentary on the people who demand them yeah and is like or who they the imagine people who demand are demanding them, them are which i guess bad. is us are bad shame on you 
and that's kind of strange yeah and it's a weird characterization of like movies and it's and it it irks me because the the things (laughs) it it bothers me as somebody who enjoys (laughs) horror movies yeah i well there's something wrong with you mary ellen so (laughs) like i i like horror movies but i'm not into horror movies to like yeah suffer bitch or like or to see people get really you don't just enjoy seeing four hot young people die no i like i when i i i only like horror movies if somebody survives yeah and it's and i like the whole final girl thing because oftentimes it's like a great kind of visual metaphor for like some kind of life or death struggle mm-hmm. and that is a very captivating and interesting story framework that we've been telling since we started telling stories like as human beings and you know it it, it can be violent and, and gritty but that's the sort of thing that like pumps the adrenaline and, and gets people like interested so framing that as like you just love seeing young people killed is like really cheap and like i don't know yeah it's it is and it's also like weird that the director is sigourney weaver because like how many directors are like older women? That's true. Really? Yeah, if you're gonna represent like the culture, the director, right? They're and not... be like, look at this gritty criticism of Hollywood right. that just wants tits and blood. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's Gurney Weaver's in charge of it. Don't worry about it. It's, it's an alien <laughs> reference. It's go with it. Right. It's like, well, that's not really internally consistent with the argument no. you're trying to make. If you're even trying to I make would, an argument, I would cast are like you? I would cast like Anthony like Scaramucci. <laughs> Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> hey, you want some tits? Like, <laughs> see, that would have been like Great. that kind of type yeah. of guy, like a slime ball guy coming in and being like, "Hey, the people want tits. Yeah. What can I say?" Like that would have been kind of amazing, Great. and I feel like I would have been more willing to get on board with like that guy dying, and then them being like, "We need to shut this whole world down." <laughs> right. But they don't. It's Sigourney Weaver, and it's trying like, to like, Wait, what's happening? Right, and trying to appeal to like their sense of humanity. And, yeah, like, and they're like. Like, we've decided we don't give a shit. And it's also weird because in the opening credits, they show us all these, like, historical examples of, like, time sacrifices have happened. And I don't think any of those are actually historically accurate, by the way, because it's, like, weird, like, Egyptians sacrificing people and then, like, African sacrifice. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Yeah. Because this might just be urban legend. But okay, Joss Whedon, I'll follow you there. I I think they're very deliberately trying to draw a line to horror movies are the new human sacrifices. Yes, exactly. I think they're trying to be like, get it? Right. You watching young people die in horror movies is just how we get our rocks off. And it's like, I don't don't know if that's why people go to horror movies, though. (laughs) I'm not sure that's correct, Drew and Joss. (laughs) I don't know if I enjoy <laughs> watching a lady show her boobs and then get hit with a huge bear trap right. i don't know if that's a thing i'm getting off on not i mean not particularly i mean i guess i can um, see the criticism of that but, but they don't criticize that i don't think they do so so that's tough for me it is and i, agree. And I think i think there's like maybe a version of this movie that comes down a little harder in one of the camps like i would probably like it more if it came down harder on the satire camp yes because the stuff that it's almost saying here i do think is interesting yeah like if this movie was like 
you know, horror movies have problems with sexism and racism. And if it like really navigated that stuff and was like, hey, these tropes are fucked up and like, what's wrong with you? Right. Then I'd be willing to be like, yeah, what is wrong with us well, and as I like, a society? I like the fundamental idea of the characters within a horror movie rebelling against the people trying to control that narrative. Yeah, and I even like the, the Hollywood metaphor there. Yeah. I'm even willing to get on board with the weird framing of this. Just give Bradley Whitford a spell book and I'm good. Like, <laughs> right. I can get I can get into that. Right. It's just like they just the didn't movie doesn't stick the landing. Like, do enough satire and yeah. it's like... It's not funny enough either, but I don't mind that. It doesn't have to be funny. Yeah, and I it don't... doesn't have to be haha funny. Con- and like, it doesn't have time. to be scary even. It just has to. It has to succeed it has to say on something. one of those levels. It has to yeah. be scary or a good satire or a comedy, and it doesn't. Yeah, I would have been willing to get on board if this movie was like really funny too. Yeah, yeah. If it was just like a... even if it wasn't saying anything, right? If it, was if just it like didn't really get that funny deep, movie. but it was just like a fun romp, fine. Yeah, um, but it's not that funny yeah. to me. So I don't know. Maybe it's my sense of humor that's out of whack. And maybe that's what other people were enjoying about it that I didn't. Maybe but. we're not smart enough to get the levels of dissertation well, in the woods. I think <laughs> I'm going to like Final Girls more based on like the scene that I saw at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. I think that scene was pretty funny. So I'm I'm hoping that the rest of the movie also entertains me. I don't know that it'll be like amazing and satirical. We'll mm-hmm. see. I, but I, I think it might be funny. I know there's a lot. I know there's a lot more women in it. Yeah, there's like there's like a there's a few different women with different relationships with one another. I remember, and there's an emotional weight to it that I thought succeeded really well. This is this is like this is me trying really hard to remember. I've only seen it once. <laughs> I remember enjoying it, and I remember thinking it was smart about a lot of things. Cool. So we'll have well, to to compare. We'll I, mean, I think it, I that. think it'll be it'll be really fun to compare. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with this movie, which I felt didn't have an, quite enough of an emotional resonance for me. Not at all. Yeah, I was more just like okay, like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess. We've said everything we're gonna. You I, yeah, I feel like I've said my piece. I hope, um, you know, if if people disagree, I I hope that we didn't hurt your feelings. But yeah, we we try not to. No, because but... I, you know, this is just how how we experienced the film, and you know, everybody, it's subjective. Opinions are subjective, guys. Yeah, I think I think like technically, and I think it it did everything well that it did. I, yeah, I mean, I said this a couple times, but like the movie has some really cool shots. Yeah, like it's it. I even think the sound design is kind of fun Mm -hmm. and like the jump scares and stuff are almost like jokey jump scares. Mm -hmm. And so movie making wise, I actually think it's it's really fun to watch, but I don't know. It didn't have enough in any of those three categories that we talked about to feel like the black eyed piece of movies. It is. I'll include a link to that joke in so the show notes. So people understand what I'm talking about. It's hard when we refer about. to jokes we make in private conversation. and then... <laughs> It's what makes this show so accessible yes. to our listeners. That's why everyone in the world loves it and listens to it. Anyway, if you want to email us a dissertation about the cabin in the woods. <laughs> dissertation in the woods. Yeah, then you can do that at <laughs> let's watch two movies at gmail.com. Yeah. And we may or may not read it. Just kidding. We'll read we, it. We always we read it. We we always read every email you guys send and we yeah. love them. And yeah, Even just, though we don't have a reader mail section on this show. We do read all yes. of your emails. Um and we have a Twitter account where we tweet fun stuff and sometimes do polls about what we're gonna watch. And it's Let's Watch Two on Twitter and we're individually on there. I'm at Mitty Myers. I'm at Mary Ellen Murr. And 
you should follow us because it's a fun time and we talk about movies ahead of time sometimes we do post screen caps of ourselves do little teasers of what we, we think. do all kinds of stuff oh it's Social a blast media. it's a romp it's good shit yeah. anyway so we'll be back next week watching the final girls until next yeah. time it, this was a, wait i just want to re- stop and reflect for a second i think this was a solid ep <laughs> i think so too yeah I think we nailed it we came in at a at a solid two hours and i think we said our piece and i hope people respect us and enjoyed it and had a had a laugh or two along the way <laughs> <laughs> me too i don't know why we just stopped to take a step back but it's important to do that from time I, to time in I life just felt like I you just to take a step back and you think was that a good app <laughs> Great up. It was. Great up. Great up. Until next time. <laughs> we'll be watching, watching two, two movies. movies. Bye. Bye. Follow us at AtomicBlueProductions.com or support us at Patreon.com slash AtomicBlueProductions.